her name is Colleen McNally. Now, can you imagine a more Irish name than that? More than, it's much more Irish than McMurray. Uh, but Judge McNally is the presiding judge of the juvenile division in Superior Court. So we have a real heavy hitter on this issue who knows what she's talking about. And we, as number hearing officers, are uh, representing her. And she's interested in us being successful. Judge McNally had a has had a distinguished career in the county attorney's office, the attorney general's office, the public defender's office, and on the bench. She served in various roles on the bench. You can read her resume. I won't go into the details. But she is highly qualified and highly interested in our success. So please join me in giving Judge McNally a warm welcome. Thank you, Judge McMurray. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Good. I've had kind of a challenging week professionally and personally both. And uh, I usually like to stand up, but I'm going to have knee surgery in two weeks, so I'm going to stay sitting down. Um, let me know if you can't have any trouble hearing me or anything. Uh, some of the challenges have been that uh, are, are great ones. Uh, that is that um, I got to go to Austin, Texas on, Mon on Sunday night, actually, for a conference on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I was invited by the Chief Justice to represent Arizona with um, Dave Byers and uh, Joe Kelroy, and it was a, a 50 state, state summit on improving the outcomes in juvenile justice. Uh, it was really uh, very interesting and um, a lot of uh, information about the latest research on what's happening in our, in our country, what's happening in our state, and um, you know, some of the high points I think are that, as you probably know, uh, crime is falling, uh, juvenile, ju juvenile crime rates continue to, to go down, and um, there's also been a real, um, I guess there's no better word for it than a reform movement in how we're handling juvenile justice, and uh, I brought a, a chart that I'm happy to leave with you and pass it around about, um, this is about commitment rates, juvenile commitment rates to juvenile departments of corrections throughout the country. And um, it, it shows how uh, from 2001 to 2013, the commitments have dropped by 53%. The one here that's in blue is the United States number. And then Arizona's up here in the top third. It says that it's gone down 58% in that time period. It shows 504 children committed to um, corrections that year. Uh, yesterday, the other, other challenge of my week was I uh, we had the committee on juvenile court, which is a statewide committee that I just became the chair of this year also. And um, at that uh, meeting, we heard from uh, the director of juvenile department of corrections in Arizona that there's 264 kids in uh, committed to the corrections this year. So it continues to go down. Um, and uh, part of what I want to talk about is why that's happening. What's most important is that it's going down without there being more crime. And it's letting us know that um, we're doing something right and uh, there's a, you have a really important role to play in what we can continue to do right because we're not, no one at the either place, either the meeting yesterday or the conference uh, on Monday and Tuesday is satisfied with leaving things as they are. We want to be continuously improving and really um, we're all partners in that effort. Um, I also uh, wanted to tell you that we all really benefit from the great leadership that's um, being shown from you, from uh, Justice McMurray coming to uh, me. I uh, came, came with Judge Wisner and 
uh, Jeff Fine and Charles Adonetto and let us know that you're really interested in knowing how you can know more about your role as a juvenile hearing officer. I, I was really um, impressed by uh, Judge McMurray's answer to me when I said, how do you get all your justices to go in the same direction? I struggle with getting just my department judges to go, go in the same direction, to embrace something and to learn more. And he said, you, you, your bench is committed to excellence. And I just thought, that's what we all need to say every day, that that's what we want to be, that's what we want to do, that's who we are. So I really, really appreciate uh, the, being asked to, to help be a part of this. I feel like all I did was say, yes, that's a really good idea, and then everybody else did all the work. So I really appreciate uh, all the presenters that are here today that are going to give me information. It's, uh, I've, I've gone over the materials. It's, it's a, a very um, informative, accurate, timely presentation from everybody, from Michael Bain, or from our juvenile probation office, and Peggy Tinsley, a hearing officer with our court. Charles has this great background to give you um, some history and information. And, and um, Judge LaFroy, I haven't met you yet, but I know you've got a great uh, role to play here as well. So I want to thank you for all that. Um, I'm just going to drop a few little bits of science on you this morning, because this is what's intriguing me lately. Uh, uh, and I know that you're probably familiar with the concepts of procedural fairness, but I want to throw that out because I think that is an overlay over everything that we do. And if you know about that, it's uh, the research that shows that if we deliver procedural fairness, uh, the parties that come before us are more likely to be satisfied with the outcome, even if they don't agree with it, and more importantly, they're more likely to follow our orders. And if that's not what we're after, then I don't know why we're here. We want people to follow our orders because that's how we establish peace, civility in our communities. So um, how do you deliver it? It's not that difficult, and it's things you do already. It's um, making sure that people who are in our courts are, are treated with respect. And this isn't just coming from the bench, from the judges. It's from everybody that they interact with, from the clerk, the security, uh, your bailiff, anybody who's, who's uh, around. Uh, people that are coming to our courtrooms. They, they need to feel that they're treated with respect, that they had a voice, they have an opportunity to be heard, and they feel heard, uh, that they feel like the proceeding was fair, was the decision maker, was not biased one way or the other, uh, that they have an understanding of what happened and what they're supposed to do next, and finally that they feel that the person making the decision really cared, you know, that they cared about the outcomes, that they want things to, you know, be resolved or to be better. And those aren't that difficult to deliver, but they're also really easy to forget when we get busy. So I just wanted to kind of underline how important that is when we're dealing with uh, kids. And um, we're in our community kind of struggling with remembering that they are children. Uh, we call them juveniles, we call them delinquents, we call them youth, and uh, they're, they're children. And um, another part of science that's really informing everything we do is what we're learning about brain science and adolescent brain development and how you know they're not really quite uh, done until 25 or 26. I was telling some judges from another state that I think we've been having that kind of uh, judicial education for at least 10 years now at our, at our uh, annual bench conferences. Most people are pretty familiar with um, adolescent brain development, but it's really important to, to keep it in mind as we deal with uh, children that come in front of our court. The, um, our, our state, through the um, leadership of Chief Justice Bales, is focused on evidence-based practices, and all the probation offices throughout the, the, the state are uh, developing uh, evidence-based practices in everything that they do. And some of the evidence that I can just show you, this was very quick, 
is that um, they've had some longitudinal studies of kids that commit uh, serious offenses when they're young, and it's called the Pathways to Desistance. I think it's an awful name, because what is that? But it's when do, how do, why do kids desist? Why do they stop committing crimes? And uh, the longitudinal misses it to see like what happened for all these kids, and they were actually Maricopa County kids that they studied, Maricopa County and, and, and also in uh, Pennsylvania. And um, what we learned through that and some other studies is that actually uh, most kids grow out of their bad behavior. You know, that's really good news for parents, that really just getting, getting the brain functioning makes you do better. And uh, that there are a couple key areas that they call, Michael knows all this stuff about criminogenic risks and criminogenic needs. They're, you don't really need to know as judges that much about it, except that uh, what your mo mom always said was probably true. It's who you hang around with. Antisocial peers can be a real indicator that you're going to keep getting in trouble. So she was pretty smart about that. And there's things we can do to uh, encourage pro-social activities and behaviors. And that's really all about some of the things that we're doing uh, today in our in our juvenile court, and what you'll be doing is uh, what you are doing is um, juvenile hearing officers. <coughs> We've learned that too much intervention can be harmful, actually, it can cause more um, criminal behavior by uh, throwing the kids that are low risk in with the high risk kids, or uh, putting too much too many probation controls on kids that would really do better if they just went back to their families and, and went forward. And um, we're learning also about the importance of connection to community. And that's really what I want to key in on as I close, and that is that you have such a strong role to play in that. Uh, when we uh, require kids to come to our courts, we're at the Durango Courthouse, that's down by the pound and the jail and the dump and all the other things, places where we um, take care of business in our, in our county, and over at the Mesa Courthouse. But you know, these are just centralized locations. Our kids are all over the county, and you're much more connected to the communities that they live in and to the community structures and supports that are around them. Um, it's important to, um, to, to be able to connect them to those places and to those things, and I think you're in a key position um, as you determine what kind of um, uh, referrals that you might make for um, all of a sudden, I can't think of the word that we used for when we don't um, prosecute them. Diversion. Diversion. It's not in my head because it's Friday and I'm tired this week. Um, so connections for diversion that you might come up with in your community can really start creating the kind of strong bonds that will help them to thrive. So um, I did want to say that I was hoping I'd have this administrative order uh, finished today. And I do have it back from our attorneys uh, at the court. But basically, I'm going to take some uh, expired, uh, two expired administrative orders and try to clarify for the person that comes after me what it is that it means when um, uh, the juvenile hearing officers are taking responsibility for cases in our county. And when I first got this, I didn't really know anything about it. I was you know, told, well, it's whether you opted in or they opted out. And I was like, OK, that's getting really confusing. I don't understand what it is. So we really, um, you know, drilled down on what the statutes say, um, how it's supposed to work. We quit saying opt-in and opt-out. What I'm hoping is that when we um, finalize this order, it's going to make it really clear um, that the, the uh, Maricopa County Superior Court, the juvenile court, is um, uh, designating everybody that's here and also the city court judges as juvenile hearing officers 
as long as the um, Board of Supervisors and the city um, approve of it, and that um, we are going to um, decline jurisdiction in these certain types of cases, and if there's a court that is asking us to retain jurisdiction, there's a, an actual mechanism to do that. We're going to set forth that you're going to put it in writing, and we're going to then when the next presiding juvenile judge comes in and says, who's in and who's out, there'll be a, an actual document that will show who's in and who's out. Um, I don't know how, much, how important that is to you, but I did want you to know that we were paying attention to it, and we're going to make sure that there's some clarification that, that goes forward for that. So um, uh, in, in closing, I just wanted to say that uh, I, I hope you never underestimate the importance of your role as that authority figure that is representing the community that can actually um, have an interaction with a young person that comes before you um, that in which they know that you care about what's happening, that you're noticing the things they're doing right, that you are uh, expecting that of them, that you have high, high expectations from them, and that there's a pathway for them to, to get there, to um, overcome a mistake that they made. And um, I know that you, know, you, all are, you are all here because of your background and your experience in, in, in dealing with people. And to me, that's the key thing. It's, it's, it's uh, take the time to have a, uh, enough of an interaction to have an understanding of where this person is right now and meeting them where they are. And sometimes, you know, you have to tell uh, somebody who's just fallen apart because they did something bad and they feel like they're ruined now that, hey, everybody made a mistake and this is your chance to, to make it right if you do these things. Sometimes it's about, I really need you to help me understand that you understand that what you did was wrong. So you're going to be able to do that. It's a great role. It's very rewarding. And I really appreciate all of your interest in doing it in an excellent manner, as Judge McMurray said. So thank you for being here today. Thank you. So Charlie, you ready? Yes. All right, so let's start in the beginning, well, relatively the beginning, <laughs> with the Massachusetts Stepford Child Act of 1646. If a man has a stubborn or rebellious son of sufficient years of understanding, 16 years of age, which will not obey the voice of his father or his mother, and that when they had ch chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and mother, being his natural parents, lay hold unto him, and bring him to the magistrates assembled in court, and testify unto them that their son is stubborn and rebellious, and will not obey their voice and chastisement, but lives sundry and notorious crimes. Such a son shall be put to death. Don't do, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, how many of you have had 16 year old sons and, and would have liked to have known about this? <laughs> By the way, the Bible verse Deuteronomy is the same language, except you take them to the elders and they stone them to death. I can't help but notice, but um, the room is really backloaded, and we'd really like to get you to spread out. We're going to be doing some exercises, so I, I don't want more than four people at a table. Uh, so if you are the fifth person, please move on up to one of the other tables. And uh, 
Uh, Judge Tinsley, you're, you're welcome to join us up here. Um, joining me on the panel uh, for the first um, two presentations are Judge Gary LaFleur, uh, who is a, um, San a Chandler City Magistrate. He is the co-author of uh, the Juvenile Hearing Officer Reference Manual, uh, which I did not provide for you. Uh, you can find that on Wendell. I can provide the link to you. and. Uh, um, I can email it to you as well. It's part of the Wendell Bench Book. It's part of the Wendell Bench Book. I, I tried to save some trees, so that, that's well, we why that's that. that's why that's not included in your packet. But it is a wonderful resource material. Uh, and Judge Peggy Tinsley is going to be one of our new uh, s uh, small claims hearing officers, and she is currently the citation judge in juvenile court. Uh, in uh, Durango, no, Mesa. Southeast, Mesa. Southeast facility. And so she has a wealth of experience, um, both uh, have a wealth of experience. Uh, as some of you may know, I'm a former Chief Hearing Officer at the Department of Juvenile Corrections and uh, the past chair of the Juvenile Law Section, so I have some experience with juveniles as well, also a former substitute teacher. <laughs> And, and the Massachusetts Stubborn Child Act would have been come in handy when substitute teaching as well. So you do have two packets. Uh, one is uh, contains the PowerPoints and some of the other reference manual uh, materials and exercises. And the, um, so look, let's go to the PowerPoint one. And so our objectives today are to. Just turned on. <coughs> Jeff, just went up. where's the side here? Yeah, maybe he's leaving here. Yeah, it's not picking me up. It is. I can turn the volume. Okay. To recognize the goals and jurisdiction of the juvenile court, distinguish between juvenile and adult terminology and proceedings effectively conduct juvenile proceedings and complete forms and best I'm gonna <coughs> best practices and tips on how to choose the best diversion programs and, and at that portion we're going to be joined by Michael Bain from the Superior Court And the goals of juvenile court and, uh, are no longer the Massachusetts Stubborn Child Act. Uh, we do actually aim to rehabilitate and reform the juvenile, protect the public. We never want to punish the juvenile. There are a couple of exceptions. Uh, DUI has a mandatory minimum. Graffiti has a mandatory minimum. And tobacco actually also has a, a mandatory minimum. And there are um, the rules that apply in juvenile uh, when as a juvenile hearing officer are the rules of procedure for the juvenile court. Rule number six pertains to formality of proceedings, and proceedings shall be conducted as informally as the requirements of due process and fairness permit. And that's pretty close to the justice court standard, also, isn't it? Yes. So that should be familiar to all of you guys. And, and what was fascinating when Judge McNally talked about procedural fairness, as some of you will remember, 
Uh, on September 25th, we talked about procedural fairness when we were talking about best practices for self-represented litigants. So it, it's the same thing, it, it, ensuring that people um, uh, believe and feel that they have obtained a fair hearing in court, that the judge listened to them, heard them, and uh, they had meaningful participation. The seminal case for uh, juveniles is in Ray Galt. And what's fascinating is the seminal case for defendant rights in interviews is, of course, Miranda, uh, which is also an Arizona case. And I'll put in our first plug, we're going to do a Miranda seminar on January 22nd. That's a Friday morning. We're going to do that at the Phoenix Police Museum. And our speakers are going to include Captain Cooley, the police officer who arrested Ernesto Miranda 50 years ago, and Paul Ulrich, who is one of the appellate attorneys uh, who represented uh, Ernesto Miranda in court. Uh, I don't know that they've been in the same room together for 50 years, um, but it should be really fascinating. Uh, Paul Bender, Dean Paul Bender from ASU and Judge Hanagnost are also going to be participating, as will Judge McMurray. So uh, mark that down on your calendars, because that should be a, a whole lot of fun. But anyway, Galt is an Arizona case. And what the court concluded in that case is that juveniles have rights similar to adults, the right to specific charges. And what happened in that case is that was a uh, probation revocation hearing, and the juvenile was hauled into court and didn't have a clue what the charges were against him, what the allegations were against him. Uh, so the Supreme Court referred to the situation as a kangaroo court and said that while juveniles have, um, the, the cases are, are less uh, formal, that doesn't mean that they fall to the level of a kangaroo court, and, and it actually used that language. So the right to specific charges, the right to an attorney, the right to a trial, the right to confront witnesses, the right to testify or remain silent, So essentially, juveniles have rights similar to adults. The burden of proof is beyond a reasonable doubt. There is one huge exception. Juveniles do not get jury trials. Why do you think that is? Okay, jury appears, right. You want a bunch of 14-year-olds sitting in your jury. And, and ironically, the 14-year-olds might be harsher than a, than a jury of adults. Did you want to add anything about that? And we are videoing, so if you do have a question, um, please wait for the microphone to come to you. So what jurisdiction do you actually have as a juvenile hearing officer? And when you are seeing juveniles, you're, you're not the justice of the peace. You are a juvenile hearing officer. We want to, and we're going to be using that terminology because I want you to be in a different mindset because of the different rules and the different terminology that apply. Your jurisdiction is found in Title 8, 8-323B. Title 8 is um, the title uh, entitled children. Uh, so your jurisdiction does not come from Title 22. It comes from Title 8, which is why you're going to see some interesting things in there. You can do all non-felony Title 28, which includes civil traffic, it includes DUI, it includes <coughs> reckless, and alcohol 
which is found in Title IV. Also, can do boating or game or fit, game and fish. And one of the citations we're going to see is a boating one, and is, is yeah, Judge Keegan is here. He may have to explain that one to me because I don't have a clue what it means. Curfew. Okay, we don't um, normally see curfew, um, but curfew is one of those options, and you'll see that that can include the city uh, code violation for curfew. Truancy, graffiti, tobacco, any city, town, or political subdivision ordinance, and interference with judicial proceedings involving disobeying or resisting the lawful order, process, or other mandate of a juvenile hearing officer, or a failure to appear related to any offense in this section. Any questions on jurisdiction thus far? So jurisdiction of juvenile hearing officers for civil traffic if it is declined by superior court. In Maricopa County, it has been declined by superior court. And so what that means when Judge McNally talked about the administrative order that she's currently updating, when she talks about opting in or opting out, Maricopa County is opting out in, on civil traffic. So civil traffic, you are essentially handling as a justice of the peace. There are a couple of things, though, you do need to keep in mind, and that is you must have a parent present unless there are unusual circumstances, and that's for moving violations. So any questions thus far on jurisdiction? All right, we're up to our first exercise in groups of two. You'll see on the page behind the, the Massachusetts Stubborn Child Act, on the back of it, there's a match game. And I want you to match the juvenile terms to the adult terms. And you're going to end up with a bunch of squiggly lines. Uh, but let's make your best effort at it.
This is a group exercise, so you're allowed to speak to your partner. Does anyone need more time? And, and I forgot to tell you, if you get any of them wrong, you don't get your parking validated today. Okay, let, um, is, is everyone done? 
Okay. All right. How, um, how many of you noticed that the answers were just in the next PowerPoint slides? A person of advances. But Maria tear up, tear up Gerald's parking validation. <laughs> Okay, and, and so we, we do have different terminology. We, we do want you to know that. So when we are talking about juveniles, we never, never, never punish them. Never. We give them consequences. We don't ever say jail. We talk about county detention center. And you really shouldn't have very many opportunities to talk about that because the only time that would even be in play is if you have a DUI or a second offense for reckless driving. And that's if the prosecutor remembers to allege it is a second offense. All right, prison is a secure care facility. You will never be using the word prison or secure care facility. Or will you be sentencing to Department of Corrections? That instead would be a civil commit to Department of Juvenile Corrections. A sentencing is actually called a disposition. An inmate is actually called a committed youth. You don't talk about defendants, you actually talk about juveniles. A complaint is actually a petition. The initial appearance is actually the advisory. And then this is a big one, you do not convict youth. They are adjudicated delinquent or incorrigible. And we'll talk about the difference between that in, in a few minutes. Charlie, let me interrupt for just a moment. I, you're probably going to be getting into this at some point. But I think use, we have, use the microphone. I am using the microphone. You're probably going to be getting into this in just a moment, but I think right now it would be important to point out that given the screening that these citations go through, uh, in other words, you, you're probably familiar with the fact that your citations are sent by your staff to uh, the juvenile court, and then they may come back to you. So that process basically means you're getting the easy cases. You're not going to be sending anybody to jail with the possible exception of DUI, because those cases are not coming back to you. Juvenile court is taking care of those cases. Judge Huberman talked about uh, uh, they had been keeping some curfew cases. Well, they're probably keeping the curfew cases because the, that person has violated curfew multiple times. You're getting the low hanging fruit. So you get a chance to be relatively gentle with regard to these people. You're not going to be sending them to jail. The you don't have the serious, incorrigible, totally lost cases in front of you. And I think you're going to get into the mechanism about that but I think it's important to point that out right now. Yes, we're going to spend a great deal of time on that. Um, and to, to expand on that further before we actually get into it, uh, by de what you will see is by definition, everything that you have before you is diversion eligible. And, and I'll repeat that because that's important. Everything before you is diversion eligible. And you, so you don't need to send them to the prosecutor uh, you can, you can, if the youth agrees, put them on diversion. All right. So to continue with the answers, a crime. There are no crimes. They are delinquent or incorrigible acts. Uh, you don't take a guilty plea. You take an admission. You don't have, hold a trial. You hold an adjudication hearing. 
there are a couple of other terms that are allegedly used, and if and those are in the um, juvenile court reference manual. Um, allegedly, a pretrial conference is a non-witness setting, and a change of plea is a um, can also be a non-witness setting. I've never actually seen those phrases used, and in fact, when you go to those manuals, they still talk about pretrial conferences and changes of plea, uh, so I wouldn't worry about those terminologies. But are there any questions about the terminology before we proceed? Okay, here's another thing you're going to be tested on. And it isn't, isn't this fun, and I'm sure it came out way too small on, in your paperwork to actually follow. But this is the actual process for juvenile court, how something would get to juvenile court. And the process that we have is, again, a lot easier um, than this is, but th this is the full process. It would begin with a delinquent or incorrigible act and then um, they're encountered by police, parent, or school. Uh, they can do diversion at that level. It goes to the county attorney, and the county attorney can either do a direct file as an adult, we're never gonna see that, or they can file a petition in um, juvenile court. Uh, they can also do diversion from the county attorney level. If it goes to juvenile court, it's a petition filed. There's an advisory hearing, which again is the arraignment the adjudication hearing is the trial. Uh, it can be dismissed at the advisory. A transfer hearing would send it back to adult court. Um, after the adjudication hearing, the disposition hearing, again, is the sentencing. And then there are the sanctions. A lot easier than it looks, right? And so what is the actual path to you? Well, the limited jurisdiction court receives the juvenile citation if it's filed directly in your court. Then your court is going to contact the juvenile court. If the case is ineligible, the case will stay at the juvenile court. It will not come back to you. If it's eligible, the case will be, will be returned to you. And once again, and, and, and circle this, highlight this, put stars all around this. If it comes back to you, it is diversion eligible. If it is in your court, it is diversion eligible. And so the communications with juvenile court are via fax and you should have a fax like this in the file. And so this is a sub, um, submitted citation from the court. And it's a returned fax. And right over there, it says eligible. If it's not eligible, then it will say ineligible and you should not have it in front of you. If you have a youth in front of you, on, on a um, short form ticket and you're not, you don't see one of these in the file, you might want to stop the proceeding and have staff follow up on whether or not the, uh, it has been referred to juvenile court and that the youth is in fact eligible. 
Maria, did you want to add anything at this point? You, you need a microphone, unless you're saying no. Yeah, okay. One, one question. When you say eligible, diversion eligible, are you referring to the charge being diversion eligible or the particular juvenile being diversion eligible? The charge and the juvenile. That They have reviewed that. What that means is the juvenile court has reviewed the charge and they reviewed the youth's history and have determined that on the charges before you for this youth, that youth is eligible for diversion. Any questions thus far? Okay, now we've, we've yes, Judge Ash. I, uh, we we, we need a microphone. How does this uh, pertain to the parents who are cited in the court for their youth who are not uh, doing what they're supposed to, or not enrolled in school? I guess that's a parent's responsibility. Uh, they always appear with the youth who wasn't enrolled in school. And, and we're going to get into parental presence, but there is at least one parent who is supposed to be present with the youth. Okay. Yes, Judge Whisper. Perhaps at this point, if there could just be a very quick, uh, for everybody gathered here, uh, a quick uh, description of what makes it diversion eligible as far as the status offense versus misdemeanor and what actually serves as a criteria for them to determine, yes, indeed, it is diversion eligible. And that's why it's being left with the juvenile hearing officer at Justice Court. Okay. Um, it is the nature of the charge. So you're, uh, it has to be a misdemeanor or a petty offense or a status offense or an incorrigible offense. We're going to get into those definitions. Uh, and they also look at the history of the youth. So the juvenile court makes that determination. What, what the juvenile court does is they look at the number of referrals that a juvenile has. They, they don't always look at, at the dispositions. They look at the referrals. And for example, at the Department of Juvenile Corrections, we would get youth who had 21 referrals to juvenile court before they got committed to juvenile corrections. Um, or we, you know, if you do something really, really bad, um, they could have six referrals to, to, um, uh, before they reach the Department of Juvenile Corrections. Once we get into the merits of, of what we go into, you're you not gonna be getting the bad youth. You are not gonna be getting theft of a means of transportation. You're not gonna be getting armed robbery. You're not getting burglary. By and large, what you are going to see is alcohol, tobacco, curfew, truancy, traffic. Um, traffic. Traffic's a big one. Um, and so, you know, by definition, and frankly, I'm not sure you're even going to see any DUIs. So we're, we're not going to be spending a lot of time on DUIs today because we reviewed about 3,000 citations um, for juveniles recently in our courts, and none of them were for DUI. So the juvenile court is keeping those, apparently. The other, the other important thing politically to recognize on this point is Bill Montgomery has been completely involved in the whole process of what gets sent back to justice courts. And Bill Montgomery, who's not big on diversion in a lot of areas, he says everything that goes back to justice court is diversion eligible. If you're a county attorney, local county attorney, is resisting diversion for juveniles, you need to bring in the higher-ups because they're, they've gone rogue. Montgomery says these cases are diversion eligible. And follow up your question also about the parents. You may have, 
just turn your head around. You may see the parent has to be there with, with the juvenile, but you may well see the parent charge, say, on recurrency itself, and then you turn your back to your JP hat, turn your head around when a juvenile is there and your juvenile hearing officer. Same circumstances, two separate courts, two separate jurisdictions. And when you see the parents for truancy, um, you see why the youth has quite a disadvantage from the start. Um, because there's probably some substance abuse issues or worse involved with the parents as well. Judge Hooperman. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're going to get to the to how diversion works. I don't, I don't want to jump ahead we're, to that. We're saving that for the end. Yeah. But the, the concern that I always have is that I know that the juveniles in the juvenile court always get an attorney appointed. And what do we do when they come to us that we don't appoint attorney? I mean, I assume if we give them diversion, it's not that big a deal, but... Well, they don't always get an attorney in juvenile court. Um, in citation court, before Judge Tinsley, they're not gonna get an attorney. Uh, just like with adults, they're only gonna get an attorney if they're facing potential detention time. Which is any misdemeanor. Any, uh, I mean, any misdemeanor, any alcohol offense? No. No, no the only... DUI. The only charge, right, DUI or a second offense of reckless driving are the only things that are mandatory jail time. Well, right, I'm not saying mandatory, I mean just the potential. So you're not, you're not gonna, if we're not gonna give them jail time, it's okay. No, right. you, you are not gonna give jail time. They, uh, everyone that you are seeing is Period. diversion eligible. Uh, in this chart here, the, the, the question I have is what to do when you try and uh, work with the youth and uh, they just don't do anything you've asked. We're going to get into the specifics. Are you this uh, hearing to get them back into juvenile court? We're, we're going to do discuss that at the end, to right. the different remedies about what to do with youth who just aren't going to get it. Stubborn and rebellious. Stubborn and rebellious. Yeah. Can we put them to death? <laughs> so we'll send them to Massachusetts. Okay. So, all right. Let's talk about the difference between. Uh, and, and again, if there are questions hanging there, we. This is a three and a half hour seminar. We're only forty five minutes into it. Where we're going to get there. Delinquent versus incorrigible. A delinquent offense is an act that would be a criminal or petty offense if it is committed by an adult. An incorrigible offense is a prohibited act that would not be a criminal offense if committed by an adult. Some examples are curfew, truancy, and tobacco. So why is an alcohol considered an incorrigible offense? There are some adults who can't drink up there. Uh, take, take a microphone. Because in the majority of the cases I see, there are 18-year-olds who cannot drink up to the 21. Excellent. Keep in. So, the, of course, the, the judge with ASU in, in his precinct uh, gets this answer. Keep in mind that alcohol, you have to be 21, but when we're talking about juveniles, we're talking 18. Um, so you can be an adult and charged as a minor in consumption. Think about that one for a second. Okay, a couple other things to keep in mind. Juveniles are never guilty. Juveniles are delinquent or incorrigible. That makes most sentences inapplicable in juvenile court. If, if statutes talk about convictions, juveniles are not convicted. And it does have implications on future employment um, if they're accidentally convicted rather than if they're adjudicated delinquent. Did you want to add anything to this? Not right now. 
right? Court appearances are, they are public unless there's a written finding of a need to protect the juvenile victim or witness. So that's in Juvenile Rule 19B. So it, it, it's not confidential. It's, it, you don't have to ban everyone from the courtroom. The parent or guardian must be present unless waived for good cause. And uh, that's under Title 8, uh, ARS 8-323. Mm -hmm. And you do send a written notice if an appearance is waived. So you, you do send that to the parent. Just a question. Yes. Microphone. On the, on the parent being there, is that true even just for a civil traffic? For, for a moving violation, yes. Okay. Waived for good cause means, can we waive them for good cause if we feel like it's not necessary for the parent to be there? Or what does that mean by waived for good well, cause? The, the parent is necessary to be there. That That's in the statute. Good cause would be um, they work minimum wage and cannot get the day off. They're incarcerated. Uh, and there's no one else, they're incarcerated. Other exceptions, the minor is legally emancipated, the minor is already married to, at that point in time. The, and it's a per, three days away from turning 18 when they get their traffic ticket. I've waived it when the sister is there and the parents are in Mexico. An adult sister, yes. My question, why you want to, this is not a very hypothetical. Why do you think the legislature requires a law to require a parent to be there for a moving violation? <laughs> okay, but how many of teenagers that might hide a ticket from you? <laughs> You'll find out about when your insurance rates go sky high. Well, ironically, you know, the parent doesn't need to be there for paper violations, so if it's lack of insurance, but of course, is, is the 16-year-old going to be more knowledgeable about the insurance on the vehicle than the parent? So. But no, you should not be waiving appearances as a matter of course. All right, for a parent or juvenile failure to appear, the juvenile hearing officer shall issue an order to show cause. And we'll talk about that later. And you'll see in our forms packet that there is an order to show cause for the juvenile. All right, we're up to the advisory hearing. So the juvenile is here in your court. You have looked at the file and you did find that fax from the juvenile court that says that uh, it's eligible for, for you as a juvenile hearing officer. So you looked at juvenile rule 28. This is analogous to an arraignment. You will advise of charges, advise of rights, appoint an attorney only of facing detention, and you'll take an admission, a denial, or assign diversion. So this should look pretty familiar to what you do at an adult arraignment. Uh, and really, the difference is you want a parent there, you've got different terminology, uh, and you do have the option of doing diversion from the bench. Do they have to sign a waiver of counsel? Yes. <laughs> I said no. If oh, we, yes, in the we case will. of diversion, you're saying you want a waiver of counsel? We Sorry. want a waiver of counsel in any event. Mm -hmm. That's in our forms. 
Right, for diversion, in statute, the county attorney has sole discretion. And once again, in Maricopa County, if it is referred back to the Justice Court, it is eligible for diversion. And we do want to set review hearings to ensure compliance. And we're going to go through the process. We'll go through the paperwork and the procedures. Yes. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I thought I heard you say two things that are the opposite. One, you said that we have the option to do diversion from the bench. And then I see diversion county attorney has sole discretion. Correct. And um, the county attorney with the juvenile court, had um, they've got their deal as to what's eligible and what isn't for diversion. And so by it being returned to us, it has been approved for diversion. That's the, that's the most important thing I've heard since I've gotten involved in this thing. Is if it's in front of you, it, you can use diversion. It also Bill Montgomery has said, it's, if it's in front of you, you can use diversion. I would have kept it from you if you, I didn't agree. And the, the approval also refers to the county attorney approving the diversion programs that are used. And that's critical for justice of peace, but in municipal courts, when we have our own programs, they all have to go through the county attorney's office and be approved first before we can use them also. Which is one of the reasons we have Michael here today. Okay, so any questions about that? And, and again, we're going to finish with talking about some of the programs and the best practices. The admission proceeding. What is the admission proceeding? That would be the change of plea, but you're not going to call it a change of plea. You're going to call it an admission proceeding. The record must show that the juvenile is aware of the constitutional rights and potential consequences. You must find a factual basis, and you have to use the correct form. And we do have that form in your packet, and we will go through it. You're, you're going to be doing um, some advisories, and you're going to be doing some admi admission proceedings today. All right, what is the adjudication hearing? Trial. A trial. A trial. Okay, but you're not going to call it a trial. You're going to call it an adjudication hearing. Uh, that's Juvenile Rule 29. And again, that's if there's a denial of charges. It's analogous to a trial. Though The one kink is you do it within 60 days. We're supposed to do the juvenile matters quickly. And, and I think the best reason for that is I think juveniles have short attention spans. <laughs> and they're going to turn 18 on you. And they're going to turn 18 on you. Although, if you have a situation where you want more time, you can use Rule 17 to for an extension of time it's in the if it's in the best interest of the juvenile, and both sides agree. I suspect you're not going to have very many adjudication hearings because if it goes to the prosecutor, I think our experience is the prosecutors don't want to prosecute these. Um, but we'll go through what an adjudication hearing is. And again, they have all the rights of an adult at trial, except the right to a jury. An adjudication finding, so if you actually do have an adjudication hearing, the juvenile hearing officer must make written findings in the minute entry or order, either that the charge is proven beyond a reasonable doubt and the juvenile is adjudicated delinquent or incorrigible, or the charge is not proven and dismissed, and that's Juvenile Rule 29E. And you will see when we go through the forms, that on our order form, uh, our judgment and order form, if you do the hearing, you're going to check a box that actually says 
The charge was proven beyond a reasonable doubt, and the juveniles adjudicated delinquent or incorrigible. You need to check that box. If you find it's not proven and dismissed, you check that box. Okay, what is the disposition hearing? Sentencing. That is your sentencing, but you're not going to call it sentencing. You're going to call it a disposition hearing. And that is under Juvenile Rule 30. That is analogous to sentencing. And there's exclusive disposition for fines or reprimand, except we don't call them fines. And we can do summary probation. That's unsupervised probation. And before you ask, um, it will always be unsupervised probation. Unsupervised probation is the only option. It's actually in Title VIII that unsupervised probation is the only option for a um, limited jurisdiction juvenile hearing officer. So there is no opportunity whatsoever for um, supervised probation. But a question, even though it's unsupervised, you can still have it monitored if you have that capability. We don't. <laughs> Maybe he does. Yes, Maybe some of some of the cities we have an in-house probation department and we will use them just to monitor. Or if they don't want to, we've had I have a, a, a young lady, she was refused, she was a child that refused. I had her come back to court once a month for five hours of me restitution each month for a year, had her and her parents show up to court every month to show that she's doing something, put a tight curfew on her at home and tell her your parents Asked mother and father, was there each time how it was going on? And we were able to, even though it was summary probation, we were able to monitor it, personally monitor it closely by just having her come to court and keeping tight, tight caps on her. Right. The, the only way for our courts to do it with the resources that we have is for you to set review hearings. And you can do that. You can set review hearings as often or as inoften as you would like and follow up with the youth. I mean, one of the things that, one of the options that we have is to make the youth write essays or to write apology letters and um, and read them. Okay, I, I would, uh, I, I have told youth who were supposed to write 500 word essays on why they should go to school or why they shouldn't smoke and you get it and it's a piece of garbage. And um, so I would say you're gonna need to rewrite this and you're gonna need to use a spell checker uh, and you, know, you can make them interview people uh, if, if it's tobacco, you can have them interview a doctor on why they shouldn't be smoking. Hopefully, they're interviewing a doctor who doesn't smoke. Uh, but you know, those are, you know, if, if you're going to make them write essays, then read them. Some of them are fun. All right, victims' rights. That's juvenile rule 21. Victims have right to notice and to attend proceedings. It's basically not really any different from adult victim rights. Restitution is contained in ARS 8-323F, and there you can order full or partial restitution. Uh, that's contained in 8-344. You can order restitution by the parents up to $10,000. And there's a couple of statutory sites for that, and there's also a restitution lien available. Now, I put the slide in here to let you know that there's restitution. I really don't think you're going to see any restitution because, by definition, if it has come to us, they're eligible for diversion. So I don't, 
I mean, unless it's graffiti, mm -hmm. and the restitution is what it costs to, to clean the graffiti or to, to repaint it, um, I don't really know what, what charges. Well, I guess if they were, no, we're, we're yeah. Um, so other than graffiti, uh, I don't know what you would get. Leaving the scene of accident. Yeah, leaving, okay, or, leaving or, the or scene causing of damage in an accident. Okay, maybe. vehicle accident. All right, um, we're coming up on our first break. Are there any questions? One observation, the first time you assess restitution against a parent, be ready for a screaming match. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you didn't know that, that you could do that, huh? All right, here's a closing thought. If we treat people as they are, we make them worse. If we treat people as they ought to be, we help them become what they are capable of becoming. And that's Johann Wolfgang van Goethe. Uh, and that's really a pretty profound statement because uh, um, I, I like to think of that when also we're dealing with self-represented litigants is, is um, you know, we treat them as they ought to be. All right, any questions before we break? Let's take a 10 minute break. We'll come back at 9.40. I can't. That's okay, I'll shut down the volume. Yeah, the reason why I just hadn't turned the volume up, that's why it didn't do too well when you put it in the stand. Nine-volt battery. Uh, <laughs> went to go buy some this morning. Uh -huh. I went to Flying J. The restroom is on the eighth floor, not the ninth floor. So maybe I should yeah. mention it then, because we get the criminals. They get we give them one chance shot diversion. They go through the curfew diversion program. They come back on the second one. Then we go straight to another alternative, another method. We're going to talk about it. But here, here, you, know, you probably have resources we don't have, but we need to talk about what is out there that we can look at in the future. So talk away. I'll tell you guys what my questions are going to be um, uh, during the next. What do you do if your diversion program is not on an approved list? Get it approved. Get it approved. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other, I, I noticed that the, like, for the, the who who approves the list? I mean, the the Girl Scouts made the cut, the Boy Scouts didn't, which I find interesting. Um, the uh, Girl Scouts sell Yeah, yeah, they're they're on this parenting skills handout. You know, life skills thing. Surprisingly enough, there's almost always money involved, and it may be who paid whatever it takes. Well, the the, the best or, underage drinking program, diversion program out there is the Wake Up program. Um, I've used it for ten years. Um, the person you should ask that question is yes. Michael Band. Okay. Who is, is just stood up in the white shirt to clear that. I okay. think he heard his name and he's going to run. Because mm -hmm. okay. I've yeah. asked him about getting other things into the diversion program, and frequently it's that the county can't afford it. The county didn't pay for anything. That's a, it's, a, it's an offender pay program. I, I'm not going there because I don't know. Okay. I'm going to need to pull up for 
it's the equivalent of that family come in. So to put their daughter in an alcohol diversion program, and they said, can we, can we substitute? She just got out of three-day impeachment. Yeah. That, that's okay. Our nine-hour class in the classroom is really not going to add anything to the 30 days that she's doing impatience. But see, I always say yes to those kind of questions. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't have the authority to. Yeah. I passed the buck. We have to look at our education department about that. Yeah. Okay, so as we go through the um, different types, we'll, yep. we'll do some of the scenarios. Uh -huh. And I'll let you be the judge. Oh, sorry, what? You want to play them up and have some fun with it or just go straight? You can have a little bit of fun, but I mean, the most important thing is that they learn. Yeah. And, and kids are going to be jerks, and as you pointed out here, parents occasionally are the jerks. And each one, almost every one of these came out of a jerky, a jerky juvenile, or a jerk, and or yeah. a really bad kid. Well, I, I did some scenarios when we did the self-represented litigant, mm -hmm. every single scenario was based on a real, a real case. So I, I know. It actually Yes, actually they are. The parents fed up with the kid and they want them sent back to juvenile corrections. It took a while and it's like, okay, it's going to be one of those. They are free. Unfortunately, they're not anymore. They'll come in, the parents are free, man. Oh, joy. The kids off the way. Great to start on life.
the sound will just come out of the television. Because I don't have it. I don't have it. So i got to buy some more cameras. The volume level, crank it up there a little bit. That's in your front of And now we've got a slide from West Side Story. Yes, the video. When we take the show on the road, there are other counties like Lebanon County where uh, the JPs in Flagstaff City Court do weekend jail court and they arrange the juvenile. So they actually make detention issues. So um, when we take it on the road, we can tag on our at the end because they actually are making detention decisions. Wow. So I'm going to keep your mics calibrated the way they were, so continue to use them the way you were using them. Okay. And, and, uh, so you didn't tell me that I was going to be here to get exercise. <laughs> you can give it to someone else if you want them to run around. I think your Fitbit's going to go crazy today. Your Fitbit's going to go crazy today. Yes. Actually, I'm leaving it over there. I should put it in my pocket. So who's the guy with the best one? You know, I don't. It's been so long. I mean, I want to go check IMDb and find out who it is. God bless the internet. Okay, so this next session is a panel, so everybody get your get ready to go. Yeah. What did y'all think of the first hour? I think it went fine. Yeah. I'm not sure they're thrilled, but. But it's Friday morning and it's early. Yeah, and I didn't get the coffee. Don't bring food, don't bring coffee. I gave you guys water. But... Oh, Judge McNally took your water. <laughs> if you need water, let me know. Something we're going to share a water? No, Judge McNally took your water. Uh, what are you going to do? I'll complain to her later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, please take your seats. <laughs> begin with a video that's actually quite profound because I'll, I'll bet you didn't realize that West Side Story uh, had a fabulous analysis of... Okay, of watch McMurray doing cool, cool. <laughs> Stay cool, boy. Oh, no. 
Feel feel free to break out the song and dance during the video, but the, this but really I want you to listen to the words because it, it really looks at different ways that we have um, looked at what to do with juvenile delinquents because. Um, there, there were efforts in the late 90s to, to treat it as more criminogenic, and that's when juvenile corrections grew. Um, before that, the name of juvenile corrections was actually changed to the Department of Youth Treatment and Reha Rehabilitation. Um, so it was DITR, D-Y-T-R, instead of um, dirt. Instead of dirt. <laughs> Which was one of the alternatives that they had rearranged the words. But it went from youth treatment and rehabilitation to juvenile corrections, because we emphasized that again. And now um, the, the emphasis is going back to treatment and rehabilitation at more of a local level, as Judge McNally indicated. Um, but you'll, you'll, you'll see that the kids raise different issues about social backgrounds, and, and it's a lot of fun, and it's actually really topical. And, and again, feel free to sing. Here, I'm Sergeant Krupke. You gotta understand. It's just our bringing up key that gets us out of hand. Our mothers all are junkies. Our fathers all are drunks. Golly, Moses, naturally we're punks. Gee, Officer Krupke, we're very upset. We never had the love that every child ought to get. We ain't no delinquents. We're misunderstood. There is good, there is good, there is good, there is untapped good. Like inside, the voice of us is good. Which 
kind of social worker They tell me get a job Like be a soda jerker Which means like be a slob It's not I'm anti-social I'm only anti-work Glory, I be That's why I'm a jerk <laughs> for you guys. How many of you have had juvenile, charged juveniles? We're not calling them delinquents yet because they haven't been adjudicated and they're certainly not defendants. Uh, show, show up with ties on. Really? Okay. Some of you have been around a while. Yay for you. <laughs> I haven't seen ties. Okay, this next section, um, we're going to start going into some of the actual proceedings. And again, we, we looked at uh, thousands of the actual citations. We only get about 3,000 citations a year in the, in the justice courts for juveniles. And so we looked at some of them and, and um, what some of the typical ones are and some of the interesting ones and, and what you're going to see. And so we'll start going through those. Again, the Juvenile Hearing Officer Reference Manual is on Wendell, and that is a fabulous resource. Uh, again, I didn't kill any trees to, to give it to you, but you can certainly download it off of Wendell for the pro tens. If, if you can't get access to Wendell, let me know and I'll email it to you. And we'll start with civil traffic. And for the most part, that is the same as an adult, except they must have a parent present for moving violations, again, unless there's unusual circumstances. And the rules of procedure in civil traffic and civil boating violation cases apply. And please handle these in court. We, I know a lot of courts will have civil traffic handled at the front counter by the clerks. Um, for juveniles, we think it would have a much bigger impact to have the judge actually handle that. So we're gonna ask you to step outside uh, what might be your comfort zone and, and really do this yourself. Uh, you've got an opportunity to make an impact on, on a young person and uh, to see the judge in the robe probably has a much greater impact, especially if they went to the trouble of putting on a tie. Or the fact that they showed up. Or the fact they showed up. And again, the court may waive the parent or guardian's appearance if good cause exists, but then you must send written notice advising the parents of the charge and its disposition. So the options are defensive driving school if available, other diversion including community restitution or counseling, um, 
they can, the youth can admit responsibility and you can impose a penalty or consequences. Or they can deny responsibility and you'll set it to a civil traffic hearing. And again, if you're going to set it to a civil traffic hearing, we kind of prefer that, that you do it yourself and not have one of your civil traffic hearing officers do it. For civil traffic, that um, ARS 281598, unless another amount is stated in a specific statute, the maximum civil sanction is $250 plus surcharges. And if the sanction is not paid, the court may suspend the juvenile's driving privileges until the penalty is paid. That is your sanction. There, there are not a whole lot of sanctions that we have for juveniles. The driver license suspension is the big one. So let's look at some citations. The no valid driver's license is a huge one. You're going to see that a lot for juveniles. Uh, sometimes they haven't gone through the process. Other times they, they may not be documented and may not be eligible for a license. Or they might not be 16 yet. Can you use your microphone? Or they might not be 16 yet. The other one that, that we wanted to show you here is the no adult besides permittee. And Gary, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, that would be someone has their, basically their learning permit, their starting license, and they're driving without having the required adult with them at the time. Well, but going back on a no valid driver license, I found over the years it would be a good time to ask the child, to get the juvenile, so why were you driving? Usually responsible. Well, I was going. I was going home from a party. I was going home from school. Um, no, at least that's the wrong question. It's what you're doing. Why do you think you have the right to operate a motor vehicle when 3.0 million people have to have a license to drive? Ham and haw, rolly eyes. And the parents there and ask the parent, "Do you know this was going on?" And if they say yes, I let him drive. Then explain to the, explain to the parent. Well, you don't have to be charged. You now everybody can be charged with a class two misdemeanor, allowing an unlicensed minor to operate a motor vehicle. And to the juvenile, if you didn't get permission, then you just stole the car. So you're lucky you can be here. It's the least that could happen. You could very easily have them put for auto theft in juvenile court. It's those kind of things over the years that actually sometimes just see the light bulb go on in both the parent and the juvenile's faces. The other ones, um that you see on this particular citation, spilling load on highway and loader cover uh, on load insecure. Those are not your typical <laughs> uh, citations for minors. Uh, I thought that was fairly interesting. Apparently, I mean, it's not a commercial vehicle, so they must have just been helping somebody move and or they got garbage coming off the back or whatever. Uh, so, so this is one example of a citation and here's another one permitting an unauthorized person to drive. And this one, the no adult besides permittee was 283154B2. And this one is 283475. Did you want to address that one? Okay. I kind of was trying to reach. Which one? It's 283475. Yeah. On a person to drive? Yeah. 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 I was surprised to see this on juvenile ticket, to be honest. It, it would be 
do you let someone who doesn't have a license operate a motor vehicle? So it was another minor allowing? Another minor, too. So that would actually, even though it's a traffic ticket, that would be a delinquency charge tied into a civil traffic ticket. They'd have to be split out and brought to advisory hearing differently, one for civil traffic and one with the rights for the advisory hearing for delinquency charge. Oh, well, in this one, the officer checked civil traffic. But as everyone knows, that's not something you can rely on. <laughs> All right, so um, before we move off of civil traffic, let's do a demonstration uh, advisory for them. I did not, but I would read over your shoulder. Yeah, let's do scenario number two. And uh, Judge LaFleur will be the judge, and I will be the defendant, and you can be my mother. Okay. <laughs> oh, my name is Charles Ebenadier. Yeah, I'm the one wearing the tie. <laughs> Congratulations, young man. Don't talk that way to the judge. Sorry. You're here on a civil traffic ticket alleged that on October 15th that you're operating motor vehicle without having a valid driver license. Do you understand that's what you're charged with? Yes. Now this has a possible range of penalties. If you were to admit the violation, the penalty could range from nothing up to a $250 fine plus surcharges. And given the fact that you're under 18, age of 18, the court would consider your circumstances and perhaps allow you to do some restitution work in lieu of having the civil sanction commonly called a fine. Second option, if you deny the charge, we'll set this for a civil traffic hearing, and at that time, the state must appear and prove that you indeed did have this violation. Do you understand those are your options, sir? What was that part in the middle? Yes, yes I understood that. <laughs> to the charge, do you admit or deny? Well, uh, you know, um, Mom here, said that I could drive. She, she wanted me to go to the store and, and buy um, some some female stuff for her. Excuse me, ma'am, is that correct? No, that would not be correct. Mom. I sent him to the store to buy beer. <laughs> I've been drinking. I knew I shouldn't be driving, so I sent him. You do understand that you could be personally and criminally charged with allowing an unauthorized minor, an unlicensed minor to operate a motor vehicle. It's a class two misdemeanor. You can face up to four months in jail, a $700 fine plus surcharge, and up to two years on probation. Those are the possible consequences. Did the officer charge you at this point? No. You're fortunate. I am. And he's been a good driver, even though he hasn't gotten his license yet. I see. And what basis, on what basis <laughs> would you say he's a good driver? Because I've seen him drive before. I taught him myself. Then. So this is a regular occurrence that you allow an unauthorized driver to operate a motor vehicle? Not regularly, no. And you I would do it again. Yeah. I would certainly hope not. You do understand not only you placed yourself in a dangerous, dangerous situation, but you have put your son out on the road. You may think he's a good driver, but I'm going to take a wild guess. He's probably not had a driver education class of any type, and he's not gone through the probationary driver license, which gives a person a chance to learn how to drive when they have a licensed driver with them. So you're not only putting your son's life at risk, you're putting the life of 
and safety of everybody else on the road by putting out a licensed, unlicensed driver on the street, which could end up being very financially damaging to you and your family. Judge, Your Honor, what I hear you saying is it's my mother's fault, so can you just make her pay the fine? <laughs> that would have to be sorted out between the two of you if, if there's going to be a fine or a sanction. That would only come if you admit the charge or if you're found responsible at a civil traffic hearing, so you're kind of getting a little ahead of ourselves right now. We're back to the basic question. You may want to talk to your mother first. Do you admit or deny the violation? Go ahead, sir. I'll admit it. Thank you. And are you... Do you have a job? Can I, go to, can I go to defensive driving school? No, unfortunately, that's only for a called moving violations. This is a paper violation, so there is no driving school option or a conversion option for this. Do you have a job? I, I was actually moving the car. The car, the vehicle is moving, but this is not, moving violation is something like a speed, a red light, okay. something that actually involves a violation of the law incorporating the movement of the vehicle, not just simply being in a moving vehicle. Um, I don't have uh, a job that's on the books. Are you in school? Um, mostly. Mostly. So, you go full time? No. no. So we're going to be seeing a currency violation sometime in the near future then too? I don't even know what that means. It means, sir, how old are you? Um, 16. Possibly. Truth is when people are required to be in school, don't attend school. And if, and ma'am, hypothetically, if you were aware of this, that would be another potential criminal charge for you as well. Here's what I'm going to do. to step up, mom. Here's what I'm going to do. Because you're not working, ordinarily I would think it would be rather fair to let mother pay your fine for you, but I'm going to do it this way. I'm imposing a civil sanction of $175. I'm going to have you come back to court in 30 days. If you come back and show you've done 20 hours of community restitution at a legitimate nonprofit or charity, then I'll, we'll drop that fine down to nothing. Otherwise, so you've got a choice in your family. You do 20 hours of community restitution, or a family you come back and pay the sanction. Thank you, Your Honor. You're welcome. The clerk will help you the rest of the paperwork. Thank you. Any questions? Yes. Okay. For those of us, for the arraignment, the proceeding, that is a combined arraignment proceeding, by that I mean you've got adults and juveniles, and if you don't yet have the option to maybe perhaps separate the juvenile proceeding out from your adult proceeding, how do you, from a practical standpoint, with what's been offered here, you've just offered this to a juvenile, and you've got 30 people behind you that may be in the same situation, see the opportunity then to step up in front of you and say, fine, you just offered that to the kid, I want you to offer me the same. It'd be a different story if you can actually split out your juvenile proceedings because you then only have juveniles gathered there, you're treating them all the same. From a practical standpoint, until you can get to the point where you can separate out your calendar if that's what you're inclined to do so, how do you actually address then maybe some collateral complications with this kind of scenario with some of the adults following on the back end? Would you have me have it, most of it separate out? But to that, I would my response would be, sir, ma'am, sir, you did notice that the, the previous person before me was a juvenile, and you have the benefit of more years of maturity, more years of experience, and but that's an option that's available to a minor ju child or juvenile. But for adults, that's not a viable option because the statute defines that the penalty is a civil sanction, which is defined then as money. Court has special gives has discretion to give juveniles 
an option, because many times it's not fair that the children was out and gets fined to make their parents pay for it. These are unfortunate in a different circumstance. Sir? Yeah, if I could have the microphone. Sorry. What we have done in our court is that we have law enforcement cite all of our juvenile offenders in at 3.30 p.m. on Thursdays. Excellent. That way they don't miss school. Excellent. And anything else that's a follow-up is also on Thursday at 3.30. It's excellent. We use more clock as our police cite in. And even if the officer makes a mistake on juvenile sites and say at 10 o'clock in the morning, if there's enough time, there usually is, we'll actually send a summons out to the family going, disregard that, come back at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, Tuesdays and Thursdays are usually our juvenile afternoons. I was interested in the penalty that was imposed at the end. Are you, you're, you're, you're awarding a fine or you're suspending a fine or you're giving credit for time served? Either or. It's neither, we're losing either or. You got your choice when you come back to your family. You either pay the 170 plus 20 or you give me written proof that we have 20 hours of community restitution finished. Either or, either one comes in and satisfies it. Okay, I, I apologize. I haven't read the title eight before coming today. Is that in there somewhere, or is that just an that's, authority? That I think that's in here. Current power, the court has that authority to do that. Okay. The title, the title eight does allow you to to um, allow community restitution in lieu of fines. Okay, and what we're going to do now is each table should have at least one citation for civil traffic. Keep in mind, for civil traffic, you don't need to go through the rights. You don't need to do a waiver of counsel. You don't need to do an admission plea. Basically, all you need to do is what you normally do to civil traffic. What we uh, what we do have now that, that a lot of courts are not doing um, is you, you have a juvenile order of disposition, and that's in your packet. The other packet. The other, the other packet. packet. It's about halfway in, under exercises and forms. It's under the Massachusetts Summer Child Act, and it's about halfway in. And it looks like a pleading. Well, it looks just like it is up on the board. Oh, yeah. This is the juvenile order of disposition. Okay, everyone got that? So what I'd like you to do, find, find the civil traffic uh, citation that you have on your table. If you don't have one of those, then just use the one we just had up on the board for, or just come up with any other civil traffic, and uh, go ahead and do an advisory for the youth. And, um, there, and you'll see on this form, Now this form is going to be used both for a delinquent incorrigible and for civil traffic. So right now, we are only concerned in the civil traffic portion. So you have a box for responsible, a box for not responsible, set civil traffic hearing, and a box for DDS, and then a box um, for community restitution or monetary assessment. And you'll see that it does say down here, in addition to community restitution, the juvenile may perform community restitution in lieu of monetary assessment at the rate of $10 for each hour performed. So your, your options, you, you can find $150 or, and then check this box allowing community restitution in lieu of that or so they can pay the money or do that. 
So um, you've, you've each got at least one civil traffic there. Please pair up and take turns arraigning and doing the juvenile order disposition on civil traffic only, not, not the delinquencies or incorrigibles. We've got an odd number of people at the front table. If, is there another odd table? There is, right there. There's five at that one. Judge, Judge Jane, perhaps you can come up to this table. Okay. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's perfect. I fit that right. Well, I have those in that awkward range. Oh, you can? I'm focusing on that. I have a lot of my eye surgery. I have monofacial created, so I got I like blurry someone. What do I get in the more blurry you got? This is actually new for us. This is the first time yeah, I've ever used that. It still would be nice. We don't have a civil traffic. Just go ahead and do a red light violation. Tempe for one time, and a cop who had like five cases 
clients do not show up. And the judge is calling the office, calling his home, all of them could be people that did. So, police, some police agencies, they don't have to believe that's a waste of their time. If their job is open and they try to pick it up, that's after that, that should be a very good thing to do. And last week I had a, a cop come into my court. I'm in Mesa. He came for a surprise for a curfew violation. He didn't show up. So for the next one, there was a number of people. Oh. That, was, that actually came out of the early mention. They had to come back every month. We, we don't want to do some additions and some additions. We don't want to judge a small I have a partial statute. I don't know what the, we don't know what the church is. So just nothing. We're meeting in an upper room. Oh, I have heard that's what's going to be in there. I've never heard of that charge. Title 28. Well, I mean, how is the juvenile charged with that? Here's the, juvenile can, the juvenile owns under control, owns the control of the vehicle, and turns to their buddy and goes, go ahead and take the wheel. Or the juvenile, they've been at a party, he says, I'm too drunk, he's gone. So the person who's driving... Is also a minor. Is also a minor. Or could not be a minor, just someone who doesn't have a license. Doesn't have a license. The only difference is just not letting an unlicensed driver over the age 18 is a civil traffic violation under 18. Is the person who's driving. So the person who was driving should have been over 18. That's a civil traffic violation, not a criminal violation. For the juvenile. For whoever's charged. For the person who let them drive. Yes. I mean, I get the ones where they let them drive without the adult. Yeah. But I've never no seen scenario. the one that permitting is not Okay, which, which scenario four? Wait, you've scenario four. Wait, you've got three scenario fours. So yes. Here. Uh, I, it wasn't that way. I printed out this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went okay, in and changed them the real, all. You want the real four? No, 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 six. That's what I think alcohol is. You want to do six? Okay. Okay. But we're not, not admitting any versions. Just one. Okay. Oh, yeah, brother. Well, I was looking through it. The person couldn't get, got defensive driving school in the red light, and then, uh, or admit the red light, not defensive driving school eligible, and then go on to the version of it. Alcohol charge. Charge is, I'm sorry. Well, Justice Court, can, can they do the version of both two alcohol charges at once? Yes. Yeah, because everything is all so, Oh, you mean two separate things? Yeah. They get, if they both were to the system and alcohol well, consumption, and then also the 41 and the 9 and 41. Yeah. And 43 at top of that. If, if the juvenile court has referred it to us, it's eligible for the
Now, it's dynamic. I don't know. We just picked up the last year. We just started to get the precinct church. filed with us. And that's what actually led us to We call it the time it's a juvenile We don't have, we didn't have a diversion program for the So we started the process. You should be paired up, so everyone should be either be uh, arraigned or arraigned. As long as the topic and we're talking yeah. about the card yeah. so you yeah. might still have a hundred. Okay. Does anyone need more time? Even but I'm a little hard time in my mind about that. Everything is still in conversion. Drive without calling the system. Maybe the Yes. Uh, 
Okay, let's uh, start up again. Okay, Pastor, it's your birthday. All of a sudden, I'll talk to you again. Soon. You want to plan on going to college? Plan on getting a job? Well, maybe you want to start thinking right now what you're doing. Oh, I want to go into the military. Yeah. I've had a couple of those. Mm -hmm. Okay, let, let, let's start up again. Attention, please. Okay, did, I hope everyone had a chance to do a civil traffic arraignment and to be arraigned and you got some familiarity with the juvenile order of disposition. And so again, this, this portion here applied to the civil traffic and you could, um, it, it allowed you to do community restitution or a fine or you could do both, check the monetary assessment and then check the, uh, they're eligible to do that. <coughs> Uh, when we talk about some of the other delinquencies, you can, you'll see you can suspend driver's license. There's a completion date down here. So if, if you order defensive driving school, then you can require completion by a certain date. Uh, where's that? There it is. So you put a date in here. And then there's a new court date for a, um, a compliance review. And what, you know, if you want to set that up at the same time so that the youth is signing for it, and then uh, you can vacate that if you do get the proof before that date. So there, is there any question on civil traffic <coughs> and that judgment disposition form that? Okay. <coughs> and so let's move into delinquencies. Remember the maximum penalties, and we'll go through those again. Remember to look for the eligibility in the file, and refer to the script. And you do have a copy of the script that's in your other packet. The advisory script, and this comes right from the Juvenile Hearing Officer Reference Manual. Uh, so you'll see that in your packet. And we are going to want you to go through those scripts because the next exercise you're going to be doing some advisories uh, for some of the delinquent offenses. Uh, so you will do an advisory uh, and then um, either a diversion or an admission proceeding or an adjudication hearing. And what we're going to want for the delinquencies and I'll emphasize this again, everything that is before you is eligible for diversion. If you have a youth who wants to uh, split some of the charges and admit and deny some of the others, you might want to consider uh, um, just taking a denial on all of them. Uh, you can do the admission on some of them. Uh, you know, I'd rather you chose one or the other. One of the things you are going to have to keep in mind that, uh, and some of the judges here will um, will have familiarity with what I'm going to explain, but our prosecutors don't have a great deal of dedication, dedication to pursuing juveniles. And so if you set it for a pretrial conference, it might come back with a dismissal, uh, in which case nobody's learned anything, nothing has been accomplished other than a great deal of wasted time and wasted paper and wasted energy and consternation. So sending it to the prosecutor, you may never see it again. Uh, if you can convince the youth to do diversion, 
and hopefully you've got some counseling that has come out of it, especially for an alcohol or a tobacco charge. Um, so diversion is your best option. Uh, if the youth will admit, then that is the best option. A denial is probably, uh, you know, who knows what you're going to get. Any questions or any comments on that? There's got to be someone. Is there anyone here who's had prosecutors who, who are dedicated to, to prosecuting the juveniles? Charlie, when you have multiple charges and, and times are criminal, um, are you telling us that the juvenile were able to, to assimilate that at a random? Are you talking on one citation? Yeah. On one citation, if it's before you, it is eligible for diversion. So you can offer diversion for the entire ticket. You don't have to, but you can. Uh, again, uh, what I'm warning you is if, is if you don't offer diversion and the youth denies and it goes to the prosecutor, it may end up getting dismissed. It, it, let, me, let me see a show of hands. Who has had prosecutors who are dedicated to prosecuting juveniles? Okay, so we have a couple, three? All right, who, who has had prosecutors who are not willing to put any time or effort into prosecuting juveniles? It, okay, it's, it weighs more toward the latter. So just, just, you know, if you know, but you know, also prosecutors rotate every three to six months. But if, if in your court prosecutors are interested in, in pursuing it, then that's more of an option. If you're in one of the courts where uh, it's going to get dismissed. Just keep that in mind. Charlie, we haven't answered Clancy's question. Okay, so here's the thing. If it's in front of you, and it's not a DUI, even though it says it's criminal, remember, juveniles are not convicted of crimes. Yes, Bill Montgomery has said the case in front of you is eligible for diversion. Actually, DUI is eligible for diversion, too. If it's the cases I'm talking about are underage drinking. Right. Underage consumption and give, false give, ID. Give him the microphone. The ones I'm talking about is underage consumption and false ID. Right. And they're eligible for diversion. Oh, they're underage There's nothing else. Yeah. That's a nothing else. for distinction. Well, yeah. oh, underage. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. If it is if the if it is a juvenile and it is before you, it is eligible for diversion. Regardless of how many charges are on it or the nature of the charges, even DUI is eligible for diversion. Again, I don't think we're going to see any DUIs because we haven't seen any in a while, but it would be eligible for diversion. Jeff, just one one note, I. I We've been using diversion in our, in our courts, uh, uh, but it's been a prosecution-based diversion. And if you haven't picked up on this already, I'm sure you will. This is going to be new for us. Uh, uh, this is diversion from the bench that you're allowed to do. So there's no need for the prosecutor to issue a stay of proceedings and, and have them come back for a PTC. So this, this type of diversion will be different than the diversion you do for adults that's prosecution-based. This is a court-based diversion. And also remember,
Cooper, it, it, he says DUI is eligible for diversion. You gotta know that if it's a juvenile who's gotten multiple DUIs, in the process that the case goes through, they look at that. Right. They're not going to send that, that one back to you. They're going to keep it and handle it a different way. Judge, I wasn't sure the age bracket. The age bracket was one of the best. Okay. All right, let's talk at uh, the delinquent consequences. A violation shall not exceed $150 plus surcharges unless a greater amount is provided by statute and it is not to exceed $500. <coughs> You can suspend a driver's license for up to six months. And you'll, you'll see on that judgment form, there is a box there for you to do that. Uh, whether you want to do that, um, that that's going to be up to you. Uh, whether, you, if you've got a youth who that would actually be a penalty for, or another youth is going to view that as a challenge to go ahead and continue to drive without trying to get caught. And then I've included a juvenile suspension chart in your materials, and that is in the PowerPoint materials. So it's toward, it's toward the back, you'll see juvenile licenses. And this breaks down all of the different statutes and um, the how long, uh, what you can suspend and whether or not they're eligible for a work permit. And what you will see for these suspensions is that um, they're optional, again, up to six months. And you can allow a work permit, um, which allows them to go to work, school, or medical appointments. So if you want to do an added consequence for a juvenile, you can suspend the license but give them a work permit. And MBD pays attention to that? MBD will. Oh, yeah. That goes in your abstract. They pay close attention to it. Really? Yeah, these, these are the ones, if, it, if there's a, a yes on that box as to work permit, MBD looks to, as to whether or not the judge has ordered a suspension. What they may ask for is the specific parameters of what you're saying. Not, we haven't contacted us, we've gone to it. They say, okay, work and school, what parameters? What days of the week? What hours are you looking at? And they, and they will put that right down in the MBD records. And the juvenile gets stopped outside of that time frame, then they do not have a valid driving privilege, and they get cited accordingly. Are there any other MVD consequences for having convictions? There are for the alcohol violations, and those are in the chart as well. So you'll see, and, and we'll talk about those when we talk about some of the alcohol violations. For example, driving without a license, does that put a delay on their being able to get a license, for example? No. No, no not the civil charge. A criminal charge will. But that's the same for adults. Okay, so delinquent consequences. Those are contained in Title uh, 8, under 8-323F. A juvenile hearing officer may order unsupervised probation. Again, um, supervised probation is not an option. It's not even possible, it's in statute. We don't have any authority, any chance. It's not even on your wish list. Uh, defensive driving school or counseling. Monetary assessment or penalty. We don't call them fines, we call them monetary assessments or penalties. That's, that's 
try to be consistent and call them monetary assessments. Community restitution in lieu of fine. So you can check the fine part. No, I was just the contrary. We would call it lieu of fine in lieu of monetary assistance. Yes, correct. Sorry. Right. Uh, monetary assistance assessment would have gone onto another line. Sorry. Or, this, this is my favorite, and, and this is in the statute, mm -hmm. you can reprimand and take no further action. You know, kind of like I talk to my cats. Bad boy, don't do that again, bad boy. But um, how would that tie into the fact of how can a judge dismiss a charge that's not authorized, is not authorized under the statute, there's no motion from the state. I like that and wonder, how can we dismiss a charge that way without having a violation of judicial ethics? Because you're not dismissing it. That would be the youth is admitting the violation. You do okay. you the, would do an admission this proceeding. After an admission. Right. All right. And the consequence is shame on you. Bad boy, don't do it again. It's in the statute. <laughs> Okay, let's look at some criminal traffic charges. And this one you, you will see for both uh, adults and for juveniles. And uh, criminal speed and reckless driving. What do we need to be careful about with reckless driving? Juvenile's not eligible for jury. What do we need to look for? Microphone, microphone. It has a prior, it has mandatory jail time? Exactly. All right, so, and sometimes the prosecutors haven't thought about it, and they might not even say that there's a prior until they've called their first witness. Uh, and what do you do in that situation? Curse quietly under your breath. Mm -hmm. Besides cursing quietly under your breath. They haven't alleged it. I think if they haven't alleged it, it's not alleged. <laughs> okay, exactly. You, you calmly and gently inform the prosecutor that um, it, the prior was not alleged, uh, therefore an attorney was not appointed, and this matter will proceed as a first, uh, as a first um, allegation, not as a second. Because you couldn't dismiss it. You can't dismiss it. The, the uh, well, jeopardy's attached. Jeopardy has attached. The prosecutor can dismiss with prejudice, you cannot dismiss without prejudice because jeopardy has attached. And this has happened. Pro prosecutors have, in not even in the opening statement, but with the first witness, start going into the prior, like, hold on, hold on. So that, um, so when we talk about the only time you're eligible for an attorney for juveniles is DUI, there's this one other little asterisk that if, it's, if you see reckless, um, you, you might want to make sure there are no priors, um, because if there is a prior, then they're also eligible. And actually, the uh, mandatory jail sentence for a second reckless is actually worse than for a first-time DUI. All right, and another criminal traffic is another criminal speed. Well, actually, that's a civil speed and driving on a suspended or revoked license, and you're going to see that a lot. And you do that with adults. More criminal traffic. There's a criminal speed in there, I think. Was that a civil? Yeah, bottom. Bottom, I'm charged with twice, criminally and civilly. Oh, okay, you're right, I'm sorry. No, those are two different citations. Yeah, because of speed. Yeah, one is, the bottom one's criminal speed, the top civil speed. Okay, another criminal traffic is criminal speed, another reckless 
Bob and Shoulder Belt, and no valid driver's license. Um, Gary, do you want to talk about what sometimes they cite no valid driver's license and other times um, driving on a suspension? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not really sure the rhyme or reason of a lot of the officers, but I think sometimes the officers just want to give the person a break. Okay, you got suspended privileges, but they'll hear the story, the plea from the driver, and let's give them a civil instead of that, not to cause any more problems. And some officers will charge them with both. <laughs> and sometimes I think it depends on the attitude of the person. If the person's got a good story, maybe the cop's going to give him a break. If the person's being a jerk, we can find a whole lot of other things to charge you with. And you will. If you see the ticket that comes in, suspended driving privilege, no valid driver's license, civil speed, criminal speed, reckless driving, there's a tip the cop went on there somewhere from that person was stopped. And, and, and a, a light's not working or something yes. like that. Failure to signal. And when you have a, a juvenile tell you, well, how can I have a, a suspended driver's license? I don't even have a license. What do you say? I heard, I heard the answer. We need a microphone. It's your privilege is that our driver, or what's suspended, not the actual. It's your privilege that is suspended. And by the way, your privilege is now extended further out because you won't be getting your driver's license for quite a while. And another criminal traffic. This one is failure to state at an accident and uh, civil, civil speed. One of the things I wanted to point out about this one is um, both criminal and, and civil are checked. So you want to make sure that the youth understands that that is a criminal one. And then what else do we want to know about failure to stay at an accident? What kind of accident? With injury, without injury, with damage, only, oh, it was only one car. And with damage comes? Victims. Victims rights and? Restitution. Restitution. Now, remember, the irony is, up until recently, failure to stay at the scene of an accident was not restitution eligible, because the violation was leaving the scene that that was the criminal violation. It wasn't the negligence that caused the accident. So for most of our careers, that was not eligible for restitution. That has recently changed, and now failure to stay at the scene of an accident is eligible for restitution. So if you see that, keep in mind victims' rights, keep in mind restitution. So the victim? Victims' rights work the same as with the adults. We can't yes. resolve the case that day. We have to. Yes. The state has to intervene. The state will, and and that may not come back to us. Um, that it is possible the juvenile court may keep that case. In the change in the law you mentioned, it used to be you could end up with the ironic situation of somebody could be hit, not be at fault in a collision. The other person get speed to great to avoid a collision, and the person that's hit takes off from the scene of the collision. And they would charge those people occasionally for not sticking around, which is pretty darn ridiculous. They usually left for other reasons, an outstanding warrant or whatever. But. All right, and one more criminal traffic. And this is, again, failure to stay. Uh, and a civil speed, no valid driver's license, a civil charge, no insurance and failure to yield from a driveway, so all uh, civil except for the failure to stay, which is the criminal. So, you know, when, when we 
did the survey of, of the different charges that juveniles present to us by and large. They were civil and criminal traffic. And then um, you'll see we're gonna come up on some alcohol ones. Um, any questions about civil and criminal traffic? All right, let's go to everyone's favorite subject, alcohol. And so this first one, and I know there's at least one judge in here who sees this an awful lot, but we have a charge of minor with alcohol in body under 4-244.41, and then minor in possession of alcohol, 4-244.9, and then a violation for curfew, and that is actually under the Chandler City Code. Um, can you handle the Chandler City Code one? Yes, you can. Remember, under Title Eight, you can do city code violations. Again, your prosecutor may not understand that, but that is something that, that you can pursue. And then... If it's in your jurisdiction. If it's in your jurisdiction, if it's in your precinct. And then another one, uh, this is... Question. I just had a question because every, I get a fair amount of these, and. I just automatically set them for a pretrial conference where they go meet the prosecutor with it when it's minor with alcohol. And they pretty much automatically give them the 90-day diversion and they do a class or something. But you're, are you saying that we can just skip that and do it ourselves? Because they're used to every time, I, I mean, that's what I've been doing now for a long time, is just send them to PTC and Okay, again, we need to keep this distinction um, in mind. Do you have someone who is under 18, or do you have an 18, 19, or 20-year-old? The 18, 19, or 20-year-old, you need to send to a pretrial conference. If they're under 18, you can do diversion from the bench. Okay, so this, this is really tricky because you're going to, this is the difference between a juvenile um, and a minor in consumption because for alcohol, the minor is under 21, but when we're talking about juveniles, we're talking under 18. And it's, yes sir. What do you do when the citation is issued when they're under the age of 18? but then they have a birthday before they appear for you, and now they're 18. That's at all a violation at that point in time. It magically gets transferred from the juvenile court to the justice of the peace court, and you treat him like any other adult. So you would need to do a transfer order in your court from a juvenile court to your court, and then see him as an adult. Oh, you actually have to do a transfer order? I don't know the uh, um, I, no, we don't need, in our court, we don't need to do a transfer order. It will just be, you'll just treat him as, a criminal, uh, as, a, as an adult. Thank you. Okay. Back to your point up here, looking at what to do on diversion, and we have an alcohol diversion program for first-time offenders, but in a situation like that where you've got two alcohol violations, the same as you, we'll never, we don't send someone to diversion, court diversion on two charges. We'll set that down for the juvenile pretrial conference as well and let them meet with the state at that point in time. They may end up doing the same thing through a uh, prosecutor-sponsored or motion diversion, but we don't use we don't use our diversion program for multiple violations. But we will probably want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, again, a diversion is an option you don't have to use, but if 
Again, keep in mind, if you don't use diversion and you send it to the prosecutor, do you have a prosecutor who's just going to dismiss it? Now, that top charge is something you probably don't see very often, and that's a minor driving after drinking under 4-244.34. And that is a strict liability that's different from the DUI charge in Title 28, and, and that is um, alcohol in the body while they're driving. And that does carry with it different penalties that you may not have seen before. So the first thing is, is we've just seen three Title IV violations. Um, what are what classes are the misdemeanors? All right. Well, 4-244.9 is a class one. Okay, nine is a one. Uh, 4 244.41 is a 2, and 4 244.34 is a 1. Uh, Gary, why is, what, what is the difference between 244.9 and 0.41? And 0.41 was added by the legislature. You get a situation we used to see quite commonly. For approval 0.9, you have to show that the person was consuming, in possession of consuming in your jurisdiction. Well, we've got a lot of county islands around us, and we've got the reservation right over the border. People would go out and have their par parties out there. They come into the city. They would get stopped in contact with law enforcement. The state couldn't prove a charge that they consume within the city or possess or consume within the city. Point for one simply doesn't matter. If you're there and you got alcohol in your system and you're under age, that's the violation in and of itself. You don't have to prove all the rest of the elements that a point nine would have. Is that clear to everyone? Yeah. And, and that's for why, why different class of misdemeanors does does it really matter? Uh, well, the difference doesn't make really break the alcohol, and that sounds that sounds really ignorant. You know, they have to prove where. Did you want to give him the microphone, Steve? 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 Okay. Hold on one second. That's a good question. We got a mic for you. Oh, I didn't have a question, I just had a comment. If, if the state is required to prove where a juvenile consumed alcohol, that's, that's pretty ignorant. Uh, I mean, it, it's just plain dumb. And that's why the point four one was added to the statute to, to take care of that problem. But it made a lesser degree of a misdemeanor than actually being caught consuming or possessing the alcohol outside your body. Yeah. All right, so then what are the mandatory minimums? And there um, are no mandatory minimums, except um, there are driver's license uh, uh, implications. And we will, and those are in your chart. And for a first violation of 4-244.9, that is a discretionary license suspension of up to six months. A second violation, MVD will suspend for two years or until 18 afforded by the court. And uh, for under 8-341I, a fine for the unlawful purchase, possession, or consumption of alcohol shall not exceed $500. On the second violation, going back to that, what, clarify, the two-year suspension or until 18 afforded by the 
court. You can carry past the 18th birthday. If a person's 17, it goes till they're 19. If they just are just under 18, it goes almost 20. But if a person's 15, the court can order up until they're 18. So they basically got a three-year suspension if the court orders it for the really young kids. Okay. Um. And let's quickly just do game and fish and boating. Uh, exceeding a weightless speed. What class is this? And can you suspend the driver's license? So who knows what class that is? All right, this is a state code. The R124523A, it's a class two misdemeanor. And on this one, I don't believe there's a suspension eligible. Okay. Um, well, uh, one out of two is pretty good. <laughs> this is a class two, and the, the statutory citation, this was a pain, <laughs> because the R12-4-523A is, um, that, that's the Arizona Administrative Code, and you can look at that until your eyes are bleeding and it doesn't tell you what the penalty is, so you actually have to go to the ARS, and ARS 17 is the game and fish statutes, and you have to dig for 17-309, and that makes it a class two misdemeanor. So, good. The, can you suspend the driver's license? Let's go back to the beginning when we talked about the consequences for delinquencies. You can suspend for any of the delinquencies we're talking about. So you can suspend the driver's license for up to six months and allow a work permit. So even for a game and fish or a boating, um, you can suspend. Or a curfew violation? Or curfew. And then this is the actual AAC, Controlled Operation of Watercraft. And the, and the reason I gave this is the officer wrote exceeding a weightless speed. I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at the, the uh, rule, that doesn't help. So uh, Judge, Judge Kissel, some, somebody with boating in their precinct? Uh, it just means you're driving a no-wake zone producing a wake, so you're driving a speed in which you'd be producing that weight, that current okay. behind your boat when you're driving. There's the statute. Where does it say that? I've learned it from boat safety, so I can't say that. I don't know. Okay, Judge Keegan. I think you've seen this before. So. This is my entire summer. <laughs> okay, essentially it says, so not operate any watercraft, you skip down a little bit, contrary to the area restriction imposed by the lawful placement of controlled use markers. So essentially there has to be a marker that says it's a no-wake zone and they're exceeding the weightless speed. And that's the problem. So it'd be analogous to a speeding violation where you have to have a posted speed limit? Yeah. It'd be analogous if the speed produced a wind and that's how they measured it. <laughs> okay. So you do have game and fish and boating if you have some. We may be doing a seminar uh, next spring on boating and game and fish and some of the other and dog bites and uh, some of the other strange stuff that, that we're going to see that and, and horse leans. Um, so we, that, that will be coming down the pike, and uh, I'll be calling on people who know a hell of a lot more about boats than I do. All right, let's take a 10-minute recess. Uh,
I think in the game of fish are diversion eligible. You just wrap Bad boy. Don't do that again. Yes. Okay. If you come back again, I'm going to tell you you're really, really nasty. Really bad that time. So I had a juvenile judge in a case where he was not happy with the county set it for a review hearing every Friday at 11.30 forever until he got taken off the case. Because he did not like what the county was doing, and he by God. And then he got moved downtown. And they said he had to come downtown every Friday at 11.30. Well, that blows. Okay, so when we come back, why don't we do scenario one? And this is, we're going to have to do the advisory. That's alcohol. Okay, yeah. You want to be the, the authority, you want to be the... Uh, or do you want to be the judge? I want to be the judge. You want to be the judge? I'll be the judge. You can be the youth. Well, I'll be the youth. You can be the parent. I'll, I'll get, I'm going to give exactly what this one came out of what, the, what happened with the kids. Okay. Then I'm going to be just a so bland little am I, judge. Am I, am I a bad dad? Well, I must be here. I'm doing drugs. You can be the, you can be the mother. Okay. This, is a, this, kid, this is a kid. What? This is a kid. I think I told you when I was substitute teaching and I'm looking at the attendance book and there's a kid who, who hasn't been on time, you know, yeah, and, and the teacher says, well, the parents don't want to, you know, put uh, classifications on the kid and, you know, make it, so he just gets up whenever he wants to and comes in whenever, I'm like, well, there's a recipe for success, mm -hmm. that, that's, you know, obviously working real well. I think you can see it. I was doing long we did a civil traffic hearing on a kid. Obviously, mom came from work. We set the hearing during daytime, not the late. She shows up in her business clothes. He shows up in for speeding, in the civil traffic hearing, a t shirt that says, Drive it like he stole it. Oh, God. <laughs> I quite embarrassed mom. I did her a favor. So we're going to continue this hearing, give me a chance to explain to son what he should be wearing. Yes, how many wrong decisions have been made here? And wouldn't he like to correct them? Yes. Hey, can I just clarify on a question? I want to make sure I understood it correctly. If the juvenile commits um, the offense, and they're under 18, but then by the time they were to come in for the adjudication hearing, then they're 18? Pick the, pick the offense. Assuming it's not a cordiality, um, it's a delinquency if violation. If it's a cordiality, it goes away. Yeah. A delinquency. See, then they're adults. So then it could go from, if they were still under 18, they would be eligible for diversion, but now, it, because their status has now changed to an adult, they're no longer eligible for diversion. Yeah. That one was legal. We'll also have, I don't think you'll be able to find one over a scout. We also have, we have a class for people who need to get an extra one to 
up with her, marries defendant, they're having a kid, she claims that he had gotten her pregnant. By the end of the trial, no thing appears, she's manipulating, twisting everything. She's claimed the other person's doing like spoofing emails and spoofing calls where they're changing the numbers, but I think that actually got proved that she was doing it more than over this right now. She used 14 different phone numbers to contact this guy. And at the very end, I actually had to ask myself a question, did she actually have a kid or she's just taking the whole thing? I still don't know. And she still plans him to help. And she's going, well, I'm gonna, we're going to take this to the family court because I'm going to get child support. So you do realize you're going to have to produce some sort of evidence that there was a child that was born. <laughs> I, I had one. And I started to get a sick feeling. Like, if you remember the movie Basic Instinct? Oh, yeah. Because it was the, you know, the husband having an affair. And so... Like the, the wife is going after the you know the, the person that he had the affair with, and then I came up with a reason. Either either the defendant, the the adulteress, is totally off base, or the wife is a bunny boiler. <laughs> and, and that's my phrase. I'm, I'm yeah. proud of it. A bunny boiler, because remember, in yeah, basic sure. instinct, you never look at a rabbit again the same way. Exactly. Close, boiled the bunny, and it's like, oh my god, is she just? Still not sure, but you know, I did err on the side of, of safety. Okay, let's uh, come on back. I did have, have one more. I told the two women, I said, Why are you angry at each other? He's the one that's messing around on the two of you. 
and it's like it didn't dawn on their head. Oh yeah, yeah we're dating a dirtbag. Yeah. Right, right. No, but he loves me. Exactly. He just loves her. Exactly. Okay, everyone in your seats, please. What we're going to do now is we're going to demonstrate an advisory for uh, delinquency. And this one is going to be for underage alcohol, possession of tobacco, and curfew violation. And Judge Tinsley will be the judge, and Judge LaFleur will be the juvenile, and I'm going to be mom. Okay, Juvenile, will you please identify yourself? Hey, thank you. How are you doing? Uh, no, that's not how we identify. Would you please state your name? Uh, Gary. Okay, and is, are you the, the parent who's with this child? Uh, um, yes. Okay, thank you. We're here today for an advisory hearing. You have been charged with alcohol in body and tobacco possession and a curfew violation. Do you understand those charges? Well, not really. <laughs> All right, you'll have the opportunity to discuss those. Do you understand that you have the right to be represented by counsel, either by retaining uh, private counsel at your own cost, or if you're indigent, you're qualified, you could get appointed counsel. You have the right to a trial, which we refer to as an adjudication. You have the right, the burden is on the state to prove the charges against you. You have the right to confront and cross-examine witnesses. You have the right to call witnesses. Uh, your parent may attend every hearing. You Do have I have to? I would prefer that you did, sir, ma'am. Because you need to know what's going on in your child's life. You have the right to remain silent. You do not have to testify against yourself. And you must understand that anything you say could be used against you in court. Do you understand these rights? Um, are you talking to me? Yeah. Right. But, but I'm not indigent. You can see, I go to growth so I'm not indigent. I'm glad to hear that. Then do you wish to have counsel? You mean a lawyer? Uh, yes. Okay, then how do you wish to proceed today? What do you mean? Do you wish to acknowledge the charges against you and accept responsibility? You mean or, admit, or do you, admit did something wrong? Yes. Or do you wish to have a trial? See, Your Honor, this is a part of our parenting plan is um, we, we don't want Gary to be Intimidated by authority. <laughs> so well, I'm sorry, ma'am, because I think you. you're going to find that I can be pretty intimidating, and life can be pretty intimidating. So, again, uh, young man, my question to you is, how do you wish to proceed today? You mean, like, right now, I got to make a choice whether to plead guilty or not guilty? Plead, accept responsibility, or request an adjudication. Yes. What's that? You go to Brophy, you should understand these people. <laughs> I, I don't appreciate the snarkiness. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> I guess, you know, those are my only options. I have to. Those I mean, are your options. But all my friends told me, my friends told me they came in here and all they had to do was go to a class and stuff got dismissed. Well, your friends would have accepted responsibility before that happened. How do you wish to proceed? I want to go to class. This class is diversion. This case is diversion eligible. I could send you to a class. Why should I send you to a class? Tell me what happened that night uh, when you were arrested. 
Oh, boy, can I tell you about that? Well, that officer was really rude to me. He, he had no reason really to stop me. And just out of the blue, and next thing I know, he's frisked me. And I don't even know how cigarettes got in my pocket. And how about the alcohol in your body? How did that get there? I'm thinking it's the NyQuil I took for my cold. And when did you take the NyQuil? He does take a lot of NyQuil. <laughs> and when did you take the NyQuil? Uh, let's see. I was at a party, and we, it was a glass, I'm sure it was NyQuil, so probably a couple hours before that. And do you wish to accept responsibility, or do you wish to have a trial, an adjudication? And parenthetically, well, a lot of the kids who are coming in are going to be thinking in terms of trial and not adjudication too. Which do you wish, sir? Well. I don't know. Gary, you need to make a decision. <laughs> he does very well at school. I'm glad to hear that. He's being a bit of a jerk today, but he does. Okay, then, yeah, I, what happens if I go to What happens if I go to trial? I mean, what happens? Then the police officer will be subpoenaed. You will be, have the opportunity to testify. He will have the opportunity <coughs> to testify. You will have the opportunity to ask him questions. Uh, you can bring other witnesses in, in your in support of your case, and it will depend on whether he maintains the burden of proof. The state does have the burden of proof. Sounds like a hassle. I guess I'll go to the classes. Tell me why you, Mom, tell me why, whether you think your son would benefit from going to a, an alcohol and or a tobacco diversion class. Well, um, for tobacco, I mean, gosh, I wish I'd never started because I can't stop now. In fact, um, would you mind if I smoke now? <laughs> Smoking is not allowed in this building. I'm sure and, you're aware of that. And I think the alcohol has damaged my brain, um, but I'm not sure because I don't remember. Um, what, what was the question? Do you believe your child would benefit from a diversion class? Yes. She says, hopefully. <laughs> Yes. Have you had any other referrals to this court? No. Since this is the... You mean just this court? <laughs> All right, let's talk about other courts. What, what other courts have you been referred to? Well, only... Like, Paradise Valley, that was nothing. And, uh, and by nothing, what do you mean? But it was just a speed charge. I mean, it, it, that I didn't believe, even that, I don't, even that I don't believe. They said I was going 90 miles an hour, and I just couldn't have been true. You're from Brophy, you drive a fast car, right? <coughs> Isn't that, that fast? I mean, it's, it's already six years old. It's only a 911, so... <laughs> but we do make them pay for the insurance. I'm glad to hear that. And the tobacco. <laughs> and that's illegal. Um, have, were you charged, ma'am, with the fact that he was possessing tobacco? Or don't you remember? I, I don't remember. I'm going to set this matter for trial. I'm going to ask that the police officer be, be subpoenaed, and we'll see what the officer has to say about the uh, circumstances of your, uh, when you were detained, and we'll go from there. Thank you. Why is the class off the table? Class isn't off the table, but I want to know more about what's going on. Well, let's assume the class is back on the table. <laughs> okay. And if, if the class were back on the table, you just want me to give him the class, right? 
Yes. And I'm not sure that he has, will have learned anything from this experience. The purpose of the juvenile court, purpose of juvenile interaction with court, is to change behavior. And I'm not seeing any indication from either you or your son that he wants to change his behavior. So let's come back again, and we'll see. And of course, we'll set the trial, the adjudication out for the- certainly won't learn anything if the prosecutor dismisses or the officer doesn't show up for the trial. So let's do diversion. You have your courts. I have my court. <laughs> <laughs> Parenthetically, in my court, I don't have a prosecutor. It's just me. So we don't do deals. We do whatever I feel like based on the way the child is behaving. That, in part, on the way the child is behaving, the way the parent is behaving. Your courts, your courts are going to be different because you do have a prosecutor. Uh, in my no, court, no, we we don't have dedicated prosecutors. Uh, no, I'm you. You don't have dedicated prosecutors. I don't have prosecutors. Period. Um, if you don't have, I I can understand what you're saying. And in your case, if you don't have a dedicated prosecutor, and you guys know what you have, uh, yeah, I would probably go with diversion because I want this kid to get something. Clearly, he needs an attitude adjustment. Um, if I have a dedicated prosecutor, there might be diversion after. I guess it's, I, I would say it's philosophical, but it's even more than that. I disagree that requiring a juvenile to admit or deny before diversion is an option. Because to me, diversion out of the system is intentionally designed not to have a defendant or a juvenile position of admitting or denying. And the, the deal is, with my court, I don't get diversion-eligible kids. Okay. I get kids who have either been to diversion and failed to comply, or because of their circumstances, don't. they are okay. not diversion-eligible. And for our purposes and, and the way that we've constructed our program, again, they are diversion-eligible. Right and they do not need to admit before diversion. So your options that you are be offering are you can admit um, you can admit the offense, you can deny the offense, or if you want to um, go to diversion, you can go to diversion, and if you successfully complete it, the, the um, offense will be dismissed. So those are the options that you're going to be offering to the juveniles. And what I'd like you to do is in your books, in your packets, you do have an advisory script so I do want you to pair up, and on your table, you should have several uh, delinquent uh, charges on your table to pick from. So go ahead and pick the delinquent charges, and I want you to pair up and uh, uh, do an advisory for uh, one, and then switch roles, and um, you know, in one instance, you're the youth, and the other, you're the judge. Before you start, two quick points. I understand where you're coming from, the kids that you have. Ordinarily, at the advisory hearing, I would point out the child is charged with one count of being, two counts of being delinquent, explain what the possible penalty is, one incorrigibility for curfew violation, and lay out this, as many, the criminal arraignment, lay out the range, maximum and the minimum sparring in advance before asking the decision be made. And by the way, that actually, this is based on a real, real juvenile that came in. When I called him up, he was there with his parents, very well dressed. He was in his brophy coat. And he woke up and go, hey, Gary, what's happening? Oh, shit. So the, everything he did was actually what the parents did. The mother came by to explain that when her son, he went to all three of our diversion programs. And the mother came to explain to me that 
I really should know that it was part of their parenting strategy that their son was not going to be intimidated by authority. So we're not taking not take it personally. Okay, so pair up and please be advised and judge and be the youth. Okay. Right. I'm sorry for defaulting to my own recording. No, you, I see where you have a whole different category. Yes. yes. What I'm trying to teach them is what they are. No, and I, that's, that's why I jumped your way. It was a huge mistake because our prosecutors probably want to dismiss it and they learn nothing. I don't think I sent the ticket over to you. Sometimes you got this right for the kids. We got one in our cases out to look at and get stuff to you. I wanted to perfume and something else. Tobacco is perfume. It was written for the of one. And there were five of them, three of them, sorry. And I brought the mention of the here because the officer did it. Not one of the brighter lights in the department. And she went, oh yeah. And I thought, already talked to her. Just Well, I know where they live. I saw their address and they couldn't make it home before midnight. So I just thought I'd hold them until after her name. Otherwise, I'd just track them out and I had a curfew come in the other day that was charged at 11.52, which isn't a violation. And on that one, I think it's a I can do what we're talking about is diversion as a consequence. Yeah. After, after. But ultimately, you then have to you then back it out and dismiss the charge. I don't dismiss the charge. What I do is your consequences of a financial penalty or do this, and if you do this within 60 days, then the financial penalty is over. Thanks to the kids you have. Well, the kids that we see, go to the business, and the parents tell them to go to the curfew class. Every other Saturday, it's the hour class. You have to get a first four hours. It costs $75, $65. I'll forget it, just to have a lot of money. If you're a child, you're going to find a high college, you're going to go to the military, you're going to get a job. You always get that line of sight. Have you ever been convicted of anything, including juvenile, other minor traffic guns? Either or you're teaching a child to lie in the morning, but let's not have anything there in the first place. Yeah, but it's Saturday and I work hard. And I get a lot of unless we set a free trial. And I want to have one juvenile, an actual juvenile trial. Because the free trial takes care of See, I, I have adjudications from time to time. I do not have a prosecutor. It is the cop and the kid. And those are five-minute trials. 
and the differences that are offered. Occasionally, there would be a person who couldn't see me from where he was. He says he could. He didn't. His, he wrote down the wrong color of car. How do I know it was my car? And it's the cop who that jurisdiction on how to use the speaker. Can the assertable name that? Has anyone forced you to make sure you don't know where you are? I know it. Another one says, the court said, absolutely. The state had never, that's why I never read 60 days and got brought to trial, so they were stretching it out a bit. We're still handling the UI because they didn't know the and it's like, I, we got 60 days. We have to go to trial like next Wednesday. Well, we can't, we're not ready. My chance to write exam was, I think I heard the exam, but it's not the rule that they have got to go to trial in 60 days. They're worried about not agreeing to that. And the thing is, part of it, and if this one was working at UG's office, and apparently now, in the juvenile court, a lot of things where there are time deadlines, they're just ignoring them because they are so overcrowded and so small. They don't have the judges, they don't have the lawyers, they don't have anybody to get trials done by the deadlines. We're at least trying to make a record of that. We're writing a file, at least we record everything, at least on record. The time is being away by both parties. We say it comes up in human adult release order, so he has a time way for the ready to execute. Here, Charles is urged that I was supposed to put you on trial. That's not a fish in the rock, I didn't want to say. I was hoping we were going to the first option separately. That's why I kept stemming and stalling a fish. See, I will ask you, do you think your kid is going to benefit from this? Because, I mean, I've had kids come in where it's absolutely clear that they don't want to lie. Even if you force them to have the opportunity. I have one parent. At least I have to blame them enough to say that in class, it's available. No juvenile delinquency, no infertility. It ain't worth $75. Let's go ahead and get it. Okay, and once again, I can see a five on the way for this young person. It's not much of it. You can't say your name without putting like it. It's like a chalk on blackboard to me. What is like this? 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 Like I got to her and she stopped her stopped off and said, I'm going to go see if you have to understand. Our door doesn't like it. People disagree with her. And once again, I see where the problem starts. Sometimes I wish I could.
the biggest picture. His father came in, was born, and obviously she was not too cool that day. Why is she in the morning and hearing? Yeah, I had to from work. She came in. Hold on a bit. She showed up in court in a fuzzy bedroom slippers, a pair of men's boxer shorts, and a tank top t shirt. And the father went, You know what I'm going to do? And he goes, I hope you're going to send her home to change clothes. Conversation is coming through. Yours wasn't, his was. I, in juvenile court one time, I was representing a young man who showed up in a tank His girlfriend came with him and she had on a t-shirt. I sent her into the women's room, came into the men's room and said, give me your shirts. Yeah, but the gentleman who has the, the juvenile hearing set on Thursday afternoon, that's brilliant. I mean, that way you've got one group. We use two different first half. Hey, just a couple minutes more of progression. Who needs more time? Okay, just a couple minutes more. We'll get through that. The, um, if you do the disposition, then you would check the diversion box that says then see order, uh, diversion order, then you, if you do, dis if you do diversion. Okay, let's start up again. Okay, let's uh, move on to graffiti. No. Yes. I, I didn't notice this until we did the criminal version of it, but it, it seems like the, the script, we don't really tell the juvenile that he has the right to remain silent. Is that, I mean, I know it's not Miranda, but where? You don't see that in the advisement? Number seven. Number seven. advisement. Correct. Well, if you're only doing one person, then you do the group. My bad. We'll cut that out of the table. Okay, uh, so graffiti, uh, how many judges actually see graffiti charges? Okay, we have a couple. Uh, this one is actually a long form or in uh, juvenile court, a petition, and it's for possession of graffiti instruments. So that's what it would look like as a long form. This is the Chandler one. We, we, when we pulled them up, we, I, we didn't see any graffiti in our courts. Uh, but the statute 13-1602-A5, can we have it quiet, please? Thank you. There's a mandatory minimum of $300, a maximum of $1,000. So that's a stiffer penalty than you see for the other stuff. We, we take graffiti pretty seriously. And MVD will suspend the driver's license until they're 18. Um, so there's some very strict stuff for graffiti. If you put them on diversion, this is not going to apply because it's not going to show as an adjudication. Is there no restitution? Uh, uh, well, there well, can be restitution as well. All right, so that's in addition to that $1,000. Yes, okay. this, this would be um, a victim's rights crime. So if you do have graffiti, uh, make sure that victim that you do consider victim's rights. And it's partly because of the heavy penalty, 
that when we say that the officers will generally write the municipal code violation instead of the state statute just because of the heavy mandatory penalty that the state statute has. Mm -hmm. And it's an easier charge for the state to prove if they ever would go to an adjudication hearing. Right, and we did just do an exercise, although we didn't do the change of plea, we'll do that change of plea a little later. We will talk about DUI, and as I've indicated, DUI probably will not be referred, but if it is, you appoint an attorney. The DUI sentence is contained in 8-343, and there are 10 days of jail as opposed to adults where you have 10 days with nine days suspended upon the successful completion of an alcohol program. Here you can suspend all 10 days which is actually good since um, uh, it would be kind of difficult for us to be sending youth to the detention center. And, and that's why I don't think those are getting referred to us anymore. We found a, a pretty strange one uh, that was impersonating a public servant. Uh, so we just threw that. I have no idea how someone under 18 um, pretends to be a public official. Well, we do have some JPs who look young. They are young. What are you talking about? Yes, ma'am? Yeah. In the event a juvenile comes before a justice court judge and the court right off the bat has the option to give diversion, in the event it's a victim case where there has to be victims' rights that are complied with, who's responsible for complying with victims' rights and finding out about restitution? if you're going to go directly to a diversion? Um, that, that's a great question. That would normally be the prosecutor's role. So in that instance, uh, if the victim isn't present, then, then you would have to send that to the prosecutor. Charlie, what's your arraignment date on that? For what? That ticket. Oh, I cut it off. Well, it's in my court. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't seen it. It's in my court. <laughs> it's a class one misdemeanor. <laughs> Yeah, so if, if there are victims' rights um, in order to comply with that, then that should you should go to the prosecutor, and hopefully your prosecutor will uh, proceed. All right, failure to, to appear or comply. You don't do warrants. You do not issue warrants. And we don't order detention or jail. Uh, what you do is you warn that a failure to appear or failure to comply will result in a license suspension and their license can be suspended until they turn 18 or they're in compliance. If a parent fails to appear, you can also set that to an order to show cause. And a failure to comply with diversion shall be set to an order to show cause. Incorrigible acts, an incorrigible offense is a prohibited act that would not be a criminal offense if committed by an adult. So the examples, again, are curfew, truancy, and tobacco. And so here's a tobacco violation. The first one is something you've probably never seen before, tobacco product banned in schools, and that is actually in Title 36. Title 36 is the public health statute uh, of all places. There's actually uh, a violation in that and then minor possession tobacco under Title 13. Uh, what, what class offense do you think the Title 36 one is? Well, did you say it's an incorrigible 
It's an incorrigible, but it, it's still in class one, class two, class three, petty. Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Petty offense. Petty offense. Very good. And also, it, it is one, you read the statute, it is not juvenile specific. That one is not automatically dismissed when a juvenile turns 18. The statute says no one shall have tobacco product on the school ground, basically. So that actually can carry forward on occasion. So I had a young lady a few years ago, she didn't care. She had like three, four tobacco violations, didn't bother to show up to court for any of them. Sure, what are you going to do to me? I was turned 18, we sent, put an adult division, sent her a summons on the petty offenses, she threw that away, and warned her. Okay, so uh, here's another tobacco one. This tobacco one is combined with alcohol. Again, it shouldn't surprise you to see alcohol, tobacco, and curfew violations all bundled up together. You might even find it with uh, truancy. Uh, tobacco, 1336.22. There's a mandatory minimum fine of $100. There's a maximum fine of $500, and that includes vapor products, hookahs, and water pipes. So the, the new rage are the e-cigs, and it, that does include vapor products. All right, truancy. Who, get, who sees truancy in their courts? Okay. Anderson and Ash. So we, we're big on that. Mesa, who's, who is citing that into your courts? Is that DPS, the sheriff, or? Truancy officer. Yeah, school. Oh, school. school truancy officer. Okay. All right. Well, that's in Title 15, which is your education code. And curfew violations. And those are both Chandler curfew violations. And again, it's coupled with a minor consumption. For a curfew, know your city's curfew citations, um, sites, classifications, penalties, and where to find them. There's also county curfew that uh, Judge Williams, you see the curfew violations. So who sees the curfew violations? We have a couple who gets curfew. And that's in the unincorporated areas? Okay, and Judge Wismer, you get pre Peoria curfews? Uh, unincorporated, and yes, Peoria will start to come back. Okay. All right, and so at this point, um, why don't we go ahead, you do have a change of plea, uh, or a plea agreement in your packet. Just quickly take turns and um, go through the plea agreement, and that's on a graffiti charge. Well, then we're going to do the whole sentencing. Because the truancy, you know, like you said, I mean, you almost you have to get the parents yeah. to give a crap. Yep. Yeah. And if they don't, if then... If the parents don't care, nothing's going to happen. Right. So that, and that's why we've got Michael Bain. Right. Can help and, and I think he's going to say, we don't know what to do with truancy. He's not a great fan of therapeutic criminal justice, but at least the police are saying, 
We'll have to have just actually cite a pair of two for the misdemeanor violation. So I think we can at least get both of them in there. I had a pair of she was charged with a truancy, and I, I mean, she, well, the kid was, and the parent would come in, and the parent has got, she's an alcoholic, and a drug addict, it's like, oh God, his daughter is just, so, what are you going to do? You do, you do the parent, uh, so, okay, we'll get to that in 8.5 years. High priority, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got and you get the kids. Of course, you screwed up with your kids. Yeah, but the reason I'm having to do all this is we I went to the National Education College for adult years. People's minds start to wander after 13 minutes of straight lecture. So the group after 13 minutes, like you did. They used to say 90 minutes. No, 13 minutes. Oh, wow. When I'm teaching in the realm of civil traffic, I've got music, I bring stuff in. Draw stuff and walk around constantly. Yeah. Where do you do It's a separate training program. We get the section in MJO, we have a three day program for the school traveling officer. Tom Robinson does that too. Yeah, he does part of it. This isn't this isn't the 1700s. We need to stay home and take care of these people. Yeah, and take care of her younger siblings who also aren't going to school. Exactly. And but there's no child care available. Mr. Some of the other counties, the jurisdiction judges are Well, of course, they have to be lawyers. 
This one and get language that doesn't say guilty, or is it still guilty? That's one of the things we're going to point out. Okay. It's, it's bad language. Mm -hmm. All the programming hasn't caught up yet. No, I also taught people a long time ago. I was teaching, and they weren't like kid coming in. It was Creek, and we barely got to like him. Sophomore in high school, but he scares a lot of slacker in those days. Yeah. About a couple weeks into it, he showed me his prized possession, which was a switchblade. He carried his pocket school. He tried to be a real, real tough kid, but he was just a, he was a good kid. But I don't know why the juvenile system wasn't involved at the time. He lived with his mother. His mother was a streetwalker. She was, she was a pretty boy. She used to have him out to attract jobs. But the alternative was to send his father, except his father was serving life for first degree murder. Great. There are people who don't have children. I don't know why it's a lawyer license to have children. Absolutely. So, so instead of fluoride, we should uh, yeah, yes. don't apply until you're 25 and you finish school. Don't drink water. Don't drink the water. Well, sir, I can't drink the water. Two more minutes, please. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, can you hit the escape key? Upper left. This is why I use rock and roll. This is not kind of rock and roll. I'm really loud. I've got other things to get their attention. And I will tell you why, yes. And using the big rights and the 
Um, when it says the board has reason to believe that reasonable efforts were made to contact the I've gotten to the point where in the past I would just ask if you can plot the victim rights. Yes, we can. That's not your best matter. The counselor didn't have to tell me that you can plot the victim rights. Yes. Good. How did you communicate with I sent him a letter. When did you send the letter? Yesterday. That doesn't work. So when you put him on the spot, I've seen, yes, you can actually get into the record to establish that there was a reasonable effort made to contact the victim. As long as folks are willing to go that extra step to tell them to tell you, when did you do it? And when did you do it? Something's about to be loud. Let's turn it up to 11. That's why. Pick up the name. That's loud. Court is now in session. Okay, let's um, finish up with the PowerPoint. For appeals, the juvenile hearing officer shall advise the juvenile of the right to appeal. Uh, the statute says 10 days, the appellate rules say 14 days, so I'll just go ahead and say 10 days to be safe. What happens when the juvenile turns 18? We've had this question, if it's during the pendency of the case, if it's a delinquent act, it is magically transferred to justice court and you treat them like anyone else. After, uh, if it's an incorrigible act, it goes bye-bye, because -bye, uh, they're no longer 18, so they can... They um, are 18. They are 18. Uh, if it's after disposition, delinquent fines and restitution do carry forward. And if, uh, what, so if you have a fine that was imposed when they were under 18, and they're not paying it, you can set it to an order to show cause. If they don't appear for that, then you can do a warrant for that. We're going to review our forms now, and some of you may have gone through them and found some of them already. Um, and those are in the packet of exercises and forms. So the first one is the notice to parent of delinquent or incorrigible act. And this, this is a notice to the parent. I don't know, uh, I mean, you can read through that. The next one is the uh, waiver of counsel. It's a little more complicated than the standard uh, adult one. We do want you to use this one. Uh, so the, again, when, when and, and you'll notice in our forms uh, for, uh, they either say juvenile hearing officer or judicial officer. And that's because we wanted to take you out of your comfort, comfort zone as a JP. Uh, and there are different rules that apply here, so you would be doing this one um, as a juvenile hearing officer. So this form is a little different, but you would have them waive their right to counsel. The next one is a juvenile admission proceeding. And this, again, looks an awful lot like a change of plea, uh, but it is a little different. You'll see the um, fines are different. It's a denial and not an 
denial and admission, not plea of guilty. Right. It is a denial of admission, not a plea of guilty. So and this has to be done on anything that's a... Uh, okay, um, give her the microphone. So this admission proceeding is for everything that's not a civil traffic? Everything that is not a civil traffic or a diversion. If you're going to do a diversion, they're not they're not admitting. So if, if I'm doing a diversion on the driving on a suspended, they don't have to do an admission proceeding. We just Correct. diversion directly. Correct. Yes. Correct. Okay. Everything before you is diversion eligible. You don't have to do diversion, but if you do diversion, that they're not admitting to the violation, and there are consequences with MVD for these, but for the most part. The juvenile court, what, what, a ju what the juvenile court looks at when they get a new referral is they look at the total number of referrals that a juvenile has had, not necessarily the, the dispositions or the outcomes. Charlie? What? Yes. Uh, question, if, if everything we get is uh, diversion eligible, are we to assume then that the county, is, county attorney has uh, taking care of uh, contacting the victims and that the victims have opted out? No, don't no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, like I said, if, if you've got one that does have victims in that instance, you, you should um, send that to a pretrial. Oh, okay, to a pretrial. So it's... Unless the victim... Not, unless so we can't get diversion in every case then? Correct. Oh, I thought you said everything was diversion eligible. It's, it is, if, unless there's a victim. All right. and it's, still so it's still diversion eligible, but you do need to have victim impact in, input. So you just set up sentencing. Right. Yeah, you, you said it right. It's well, the county attorney's responsibility to notify the victims and they have that contact. Correct. So we would have to set it to a pretrial. But it is, it is diversion eligible, but you do need to get the victim input. If the victim is there, if the victim appears, then you can get it directly. And if they have, and if they're okay with diversion, then then you can impose that. Okay, so then the next form, and this is the newest form uh, that that you'll have. Charlie, wait a minute. You, you, you keep saying pretrial. You've entered, you entered into a plea. You're not going to enter into a plea if there if victims' rights apply. Okay. I, I thought everything it, was diversion eligible to do that. It is, event. unless there's victims' so rights. So what you sent out is sentencing no. to allow to comply with center victims' rights. Or you no. set it out to a pretrial. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a lot of things that, that are going to be restitution eligible. Um, the graffiti would be one of them. Um, the accident cases, they're, they're probably not going to be referred to us. So by and large, everything is diversion eligible. If, if you're concerned about victims' rights, then set it for a pretrial and the prosecutor will probably dismiss it. We're going to get shoplifting cases. We're not going to get shoplifting. Okay. <laughs> we don't get Title 13. I do. I do too. For juveniles? Yeah. Yeah, we went through the list in, uh, that eight title eight allows, and the <laughs> isn't in there. Okay. They may be getting shoplifting for 19 year olds. Yeah. What happens if they don't comply with their diversion and they haven't done a plea? 
you can, at that point, at a, at a review hearing, you can ask them to plead. You can either give them a continuance, or you can have them plead um, responsible or not, or, or admit or deny. Right, if I give them a diversion and they want to go to a class and they don't do the class, so the only way you can impose the fine would be to have them plead guilty. You can't. To admit. Right. And it's not a fine, it's a monetary assessment. Okay. Yes. This is where we get to the question I had earlier. What's the process for transfer? They just, they don't comply at all. You've had them come back several times. They just, they just ignore the court and uh, could care less. Or, or they quit showing up. You invoke the Massachusetts Act. <laughs> <laughs> wait wait till they're 18. In, in, that, in that instance, um, if they don't show up for the review hearing, then you suspend their driver's license. That's all you, that, you can that, do. Wait a minute. The, the kids I deal with could care less because they right. their parents don't even have cars. So <laughs> I've, I've asked, I've threatened, I've wanted to threaten that, but they said, you know, I'm not going to be driving anyway until, you know, years from now. I want to know how I, how I threaten, you know, what I can do when they, they just don't cooperate at all. They're just indifferent, or, and uh, you suspend their driver's license. We have we have very very. Isn't few. there a process to send them back to juvenile court? You can, you can send the case file back to juvenile court. And that's just a matter of uh, sending it over there. Or do I have to have yes. a hearing or something like that? No, you can. Well, you're supposed to set an order to show cause to determine whether or not you should send it back to juvenile court. And if they don't appear for that, then you can refer it back to juvenile all right, court. That's what I wanted. But yes, there is a process to send it back to juvenile court. And and, we'll, and uh, Michael Bain is going to be talking about best practices and what we can do in some of those situations. But let's um, look at the juvenile order of disposition. And at the top, you would put in your delinquent, uh, your violation codes. And again, this can be used for civil traffic or delinquent incorrigible. We went through the civil traffic options, and now let's look at um, the delinquent ones. Uh, if, and, and this question did come up, if you give diversion on something, then there's a separate form, and that's why it says diversion, see diversion order. Um, so you're, if you're gonna give somebody diversion on that. Um, so if you're gonna give diversion on count A, they can admit count B, they can deny count C, in which case you're going to set a pretrial conference. Delinquent or incorrigible, you'll see the asterisk there, and that's because the asterisk says, at adjudication hearing, the offense was proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Remember that language needs to be in a written order. So if you actually do a trial and you find them delinquent or incorrigible, you're going to check that box and you're going to check that box. That's why the asterisk is there. And if they go to trial or adjudication hearing and it's not proven, you check that box. And then for the assessments, you can do community restitution, monetary assessment, we don't call it fines. You can waive the surcharges. Remember, you can suspend for up to 180 days. So you can suspend and restrict the driver's license so they can drive to work, school, or medical appointments. You don't have to, but you can. And you're only going to do this if there's an, adjudic an adjudication. You're not going to do that for a diversion. Um, counseling shall write and submit an essay on the subject of tobacco or alcohol or going to school or being a good neighbor. 
an apology letter, other, show proof of compliance of the above terms by such and such date. Is there a time frame in which that should be held? That's going to be up to the judge. Okay. Uh, and so you can have a, but down here you're going to have a court date, you can do a compliance review. So here you can give them 45 days and then down here do the compliance review in 60 days. Yes. I have a question. Yes. In some of our cases, it's obvious that the real problem is the parent. Do we have any authority when the juvenile is cited in? I know the parent has to be there. Is there any way to impose a financial assessment on the parent rather than the juvenile? Uh, the parent can pay, you can order the parent to pay restitution. So if the but I'm talking about a fine, you know, the parents are not doing a good job of parenting and you're trying to get them to get serious about it and you want to find them a couple hundred dollars to get their attention, there's no permissible way to do that, I think. Not if only the youth has been charged. All right. If, 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 if the officer or prosecutor has charged a parent uh, for, so truancy, but they'll charge the minor, the juvenile for the truant, and charge the parent of the section of the truancy statute. That's where you can get them in. We're seeing more and more of that. You can't join them together, but you can certainly try and schedule their cases on the same day. That gives them leverage on the parent that way. Look, keep your kid in school, or you're going to be the one ending up paying a hefty little fine out of this. Okay, so then um, the rest of the form, again, you can give a return date if there's diversion. Um, you can give give them a fine if they're pleading, if they're admitting, or they've been found, found delinquent. You can check the box that allows them to do community service instead of paying the monetary assessment. Um, and give them a return date, you can vacate the return date if they get it done before then. Now remember, if you check this diversion box, then we go to the diversion order, that's the next page. Yes. Uh, okay, I have, we get truancy, and a lot of times it's the, the child will show up and they might be 10, 12 years old, something in that range. And uh, I've been telling them, I've been saying, well, you know, why are you not in school, and, you know, so forth and so on, and explain them how we want them to get a good education or they're not, they're not going to turn out well, and so on and so forth. And then I say, and if you don't, I said, um, you could actually get a penalty of $250, which I'm sure your mom is going to have to pay for you. So do you want your mom to have to pay $250? If not, then you need, so I sort of, I mean, can we actually impose a $250 fine on a 10-year-old? Yes. Well, the, the, the maximum, 150. 150 plus surcharges, so it's almost 200. Well, then the $20 time payment fee, that'd probably be about 250. 289, right? 289, roughly. <laughs> whatever your court assessment is, yeah. So, you know, and obviously the 10-year-old's not going to pay the fine, so that, you know, that is being assessed against the parents. Or that, I like to refer to the bank of mom. <laughs> All right, and then the juvenile diversion order. Uh, let's take a look at that. Um, the violation codes, if you successfully complete the terms listed below, the charge will be dismissed. So complete how many hours of community 
restitution at a nonprofit organization of your choice. Examples, um, charity, school, church. Uh, the schools, if they have resource officers, might be available to do that community service. Uh, I know that a lot of charities are concerned about liability, but uh, the school might really be a resource. Enroll in, attend, and complete the counseling treatment program listed below, and you do have a list that was pro provided by Maria and Fernando, uh, and another list that's provided by Michael Bain, and uh, you can go through those uh, programs. Write an essay. Again, if you do have them, write an essay. Read it. Write an apology letter. Other? Do we have other examples? Um, Go to school. Um, show perfect attendance. Show good grades. Show good grades. That's what show we, good grades. As we talked about earlier, had him come back. If, if this author version, you can do it, but if you're going to do the disposition, it, you have him come back on a regular basis and have him produce this, especially for truancy. I mean, I'm open for help, suggestions from you all what to do with the truancy because we have very little authority not the parents and the juveniles. I mean, any ideas that you have on how all they have to have it, I'd appreciate getting them because it's one of the toughest things there is just to keep the kids in school. On the diversion program, as far as taking it from the list, do we have any liability where we have to put this out to bidding or we're allowed to just pick anyone from the list and we're covered? If it's on the list, it's, it should be good. But we're picking it for them as opposed to them picking it. Because again, with, with alcohol, alcohol screening, we've recently come to our attention, we shouldn't be using a specific provider. We should be letting it out to the Department of Health and let them pick whoever they want because we're not we're not bidding on this. We don't have a direct relationship with the person we're, we're picking. We're going to let Jeff address okay. that. There's a bigger issue in the in the court system with, you, with vendors. Jeff, sorry. There, there's a bigger issue with, uh, with uh, vendors in the, in the court system. Um, Procurement law in Arizona uh, is such that when we refer somebody to an agency, there's a financial gain for them. And even though we don't, uh, they don't bill us and we don't pay them anything, we still have to follow certain procurement guidelines. Many courts in Arizona don't do that because their their uh, their financial entities are not even aware of the type of work that we do, or, or because it never goes through them. Uh, one of the things I've been discussing with the county is uh, uh, is actually us putting out a request for proposal or qualifications from vendors uh, for specific services. And that allows us to ensure that they are uh, insured, that they do background investigations on their employees, that they're legitimate and such. Now, in the alcohol and DV world, they're licensed by DHS. So if you, if so they're regulated, the only thing is, is you can't steer somebody toward a particular agency because they'd be sending business to somebody. But this, um, we have to with this form. With, uh, here's, the, here's the thing. Yes, there are, when it comes to the juveniles, there, there's, you really can't give them a list of here's all these different programs uh, like we have with DV and DUI. So to be honest with you, I know a lot of you have been using, for example, the Wake Up program. There's several programs like that that you'll see in here. Uh, you you do as you deem fit for now. I will tell you it is a prior priority for administration to put together a comprehensive list of vetted vendors for the type of services that you're looking for. And we'll be looking for the agencies that you're doing with business with now. We'll also be looking at that list and trying to vet those as well. I hope to have it to you in maybe maybe two three months. 
were there a couple of other questions here? The second part of your question, um, your, your, your question was, what about places to do the, their community restitution work? And as not choosing, is that any part of your program? Because we don't. We just tell people, right. schools, churches, food banks, we're not going to say go here in case something happens, because that's a pretty clear liability, I think. Exactly. Okay, and then there's a couple other forms, uh, the juvenile DUI. We have two questions. Okay. One's not really a question, it's just responding to yours about what you can do for yeah. the truancy. And what I did was tell the parents, okay, you need to come back in with the next report card. Right. I want to see how Johnny's doing in school, because you're saying he's in school, but I need to see that he actually is and how well he's doing in school. And so the attendance sheet too, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the attendance record along with that. I haven't looked at the list of providers that are already available as far as one particular type of charge as an example, and that is a curfew violation. But let's suppose for argument's sake this provider list out in the West Valley in particular doesn't have a list of providers that address that issue, that if you're going to go ahead and give them the opportunity to complete diversion, you'd like some reassurance that when they've completed that four-hour program, eight-hour or whatever, it really did to somehow address the issue of curfew, fine. Um, until a list of providers is available that may include the charge of curfew and something that actually speaks to the issue of curfew and learning something about why curfew even ordinances are in place, as long as there would be no financial gain to another community-based organization that might have an ad hoc program already set up to address that, would something like that have to be vetted by juvenile court to simply say, no financial gain, it's procurement. I'd understand the rationale of why you need to actually go out to bid on those, but there are an ad, the, there's an ad hoc program already set up by a community-based organization that addresses the issue of curfew. There is no financial gain, so for us to singularly refer to the MAP, to that organization, any prohibition or any vetting that has to be done ahead of time. Not yet. Michael? For right now, do it. Right. Sounds good. Okay. All right, so there's a couple other forms, uh, juvenile DUI admission proceeding. Yeah. It's basically, it looks an awful lot like the adult form. Uh, there are a couple differences. Again, uh, we, we put the form in here. I really don't think you're going to see DUI. The next page is juvenile recommended diversion consequences. You can go ahead and read that at your leisure. And the final form is an order to show cause. That's for juveniles who don't appear. We can do a separate order to show cause for parents who don't appear. Uh, we don't have that yet. These forms will be available in Outlook. The outdated forms will be uh, removed. Are there any questions about anything we've talked about thus far today before we turn it over to Michael Bain? Yes. A question about when uh, the child and the parent are there, and if it's obvious that there's strong disagreement between them as to resolution, then you feel that maybe the power center is an influence. Do we step in, or uh, do we just take the child's word or the adult's final word? How do you resolve that? Go ahead. That's a tough one. <laughs> That's a play by ear judging each situation. I don't think, I, I, I don't have a bad answer for that. I mean, it probably the, where that could come into play is um, if you ask, do you want community service or a fine, 
and the kid says the fine, and the parent says community <laughs> service. No, you know, there is an answer to that. The answer is no. Bank and mom and dad aren't paying for your problems. You're doing this. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, you should. And part of it will depend upon the age of the youth as well. I mean, a 13-year-old is you're going to treat differently than a 17-year-old. But in terms of of a monetary assessment or community service. Um, I lean toward the community service every time because I don't want the bank of mom and dad to pay it. All right, any, oh, one more? One more. Uh, it's, it's obvious from the session today, some of us at least have not been doing this properly and now that will change and that's a good thing. Um, from what you've told me though so far, when the question has come up in the past by a juvenile that's raised it, by the way, I'm pleading guilty to criminal speeding or whatnot, and it was, we were using the incorrect forms, the answer might have always been, well, yes, this is an actual adult charge. You will have a criminal record. I take it from what you're telling me, though, because they are not being convicted for crime, even though we've done it incorrectly in the past, we don't have a whole litany of youth out there that have actually been convicted of adult charges. Am I correct? Uh, depends on, on how it's been reported to MVD and what forms you might have actually done. All right, secondly, then, something maybe that has a more positive spin on it, I hope. It will have a more positive spin, and maybe this is something Mr. Bain will address, and that is so that we're not necessarily flying blind when we have somebody in front of us for a curfew violation or whatever it might be, and we don't maybe always want to treat it as a first offense because we might be inclined to ramp it up. First offense, you do an essay. Second one, you do an essay in community restitution. Maybe some practical recommendations on how we don't fly blind, but if we have to, then maybe some recommendations on how you actually begin to determine whether in certain cases it's an essay versus community restitution versus d uh, diversion to an actual program, all of the three, two of the three, whatever the case might be. If I can interject quickly, I know we're taking time, but if, in your situation we are talking about, put to the juveniles more of the con adult consequence. Something I found helpful is to explain to the juveniles and to the parents the questions, do you ever plan on going to college? You were planning on going to the military? You were planning on getting a job? So you're going to find that line that says, you ever been found guilty of and or admitted, even as a juvenile, anything except a, fine, a minor traffic violation? So you got your choices. Either you're going to start lying in every form you fill out, or now you got a chance to go through the version and honestly say no. Parents generally jump in at that point and go, diversion. <coughs> okay, let's turn this over to Michael Bain. He is our juvenile probation supervisor for Maricopa County Superior Court. Michael. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate it. Everybody can hear me? Yep. Well, it's it's always interesting to be in a room full of judges. Usually the judges are telling me what to do, and I'm going to make sure it gets taken care of. Um, the little exercise with Peggy was exactly how Peggy is on a, every uh, Thursday when we do those sessions. Yes. In fact, I think she toned it down a little bit, but she's an outstanding officer. Uh, right off the bat, with juvenile court, where we're going to have a, a benefit that you won't have is, is that what you kind of allude to, Judge, is the ability to spend some time and see what's going on. Because they can be before the juvenile court, let's say with curfew, but I'm really focused on the offender rather than the offense. And so I can spend a lot of time discussing with the family what's going on, get a kind of a clear history. Sometimes that can be a five minute conversation, sometimes that can be a half an hour. So at the diversion level, they're meeting with a probation officer. We're spending some time, you may not have that luxury. When we go into citation court, we have probation officers. They're not on probation, but myself as well as my other probation officers will be in that courtroom. And beforehand, we've done our research, so when it's presented to Peggy, she kind of has a 
clear picture of what's going on so she can address those key issues. That can be a difficult, you know, dealing with the justice courts. But um, I just want to kind of spend a few minutes, kind of let you know in general terms what I've seen to be successful, not only through the juvenile court, but also in terms of national studies. And so uh, dealing specifically with offenses that are listed under 8323, which are going to be dealing with the three that we deal with almost strong majority of the time are truancy, alcohol, minor consumption, possessions, and curfew. We have our Title 28, our, but we do not deal with civil. Uh, we, what was, uh, I think, what the judge in the very beginning, Judge McNally, identified is that we do not accept standalone civil uh, traffic offenses. If they're criminal, they do come to us, and we deal with diversion. Um, it's a little bit different for us because with the diversion cases that we're talking about for you all, they would be seeing a probation officer, and a probation officer, again, is sitting with them, assigning consequences. And we can spend some time, again, they may be there for truancy and find out that the kid has a huge substance abuse issue. The truancy, the absence issue, is more of a symptom of a bigger problem that we're trying to address. Um, so I want to kind of take those in pieces. Truancy. We kind of talked a, a lot about truancy. Um, and uh, it's probably one of the biggest frustrations that I think the court has. How do we make these kids go to school? I think you brought it up also in terms of huge frustration. Um, I see cases that are sent to us from the justice courts, sent to the juvenile court, because of, hey, I've tried everything possible in the justice courts and they're still not getting it. Um, two things that come up all the time in terms of the research that I've seen, as well as the conferences that I've attended, as, the, as well as all the research that uh, is available out there. The two common factors that help truancy the most is one, that the child feels welcome on campus, and two, that there's some form of adult role model that they're involved with. One-on-one um, -on -one relationships, care, uh, someone that they can trust because these kids may not have anybody in their life that fills that role. And so sometimes we disguise our consequences to kind of help fill that role. An example would be, um, instead of community service, uh, we will recommend that they do tutoring hours. If they're not going to school, chances are that their uh, grades are down. So we recommend tutoring hours. Tutoring means that you're going to spend one-on-one -on -one time with a teacher. If you're spending one-on-one -on -time, one -on -one time with teachers, what are you doing? You're establishing relationships. Um, a lot of times when it comes down to truancy citations, it's the attendance clerk waiting until they've reached the 10%, which is the 18 school days, or the five unexcused, and they fill out the truancy citation. It comes. We may not understand that the reason why that kid is not going to school is because his dad just went to prison for narcotics, or whatever the case may be. There's a bigger issue, and so what we're trying to do is, I could be a strong arm and say, hey listen, you need to go to school, period, or I'm just gonna lock you up. We can't lock anybody up for truancy. Something along that lines. But no, what we're trying to do is I want to put you back into the school and I want to keep my consequences what I call inclusive rather than inclusive. So I want you on that campus. I want you to feel welcome. I want you to kind of build, build a relationship. And there is a truancy program that we offer through the juvenile court. It's called CUTS. It stands for Court Unified Truancy Suppression. And part of the program that we offer to all the schools within Maricopa County is the chance to participate in this. But the thing that we've seen our most success with is what we call our CUTS light. Uh, a light stands for Limited Intervention to Educate. And this is done prior to the actual citation being filed. 
and I will send one of my probation officers, they will sit down with the family, they will discuss what the issue is, and what we've seen is, since we've been tracking this for the past couple of years, is 96 to 97 percent of those cases that we do a lights with, that remember there is no formal truancy citation, 96 to 97 percent that we do a truancy citation, uh, uh, cuts lights conference with, do not generate a formal truancy citation within the next six months. Because what we're doing is one, having that child there, school is there, they, school is hearing what's going on with the family. Family is now also hearing what the concerns are by the school, and again, we're establishing relationships. Um, a lot of the national research that's out there clearly states that taking a more of a punitive role when it comes down to truancy simply doesn't work. The two things that really have shown some of the best results in general terms are, again, again, building a relationship with some positive role model at that school. Um, so that's truancy in general. Truancy is very frustrating. Um, I think we have some Mesa judges here, is that correct? You guys were dealing with truancy here quite a bit. You guys owe me lunch because now Mesa is sending them all to us, right? <laughs> um, and it's. I was able to spend some time with the, the truancy officers that Mesa has. Mesa has truan three truancy officers, and they write all the truancies. But what we do is we've developed a relationship to where I, as well as four of my probation officers, will show up at the Mesa District Office every Monday, and we do a session in the morning and a session in the afternoon. And what we do is we present a class to our first-time truants as well as their parents. Educate them on the, what the laws are, what the parents' responsibilities are. That as a parent, if you do not have your child enrolled in school, you face a misdemeanor offense with possible jail time and fines. But again, what we're trying to do is to educate. That's our main focus. Um, most of the time, the family's leaving, um, and they're learning something from this experience. What's a good component is, is that if we have a parent that's causing the majority of the problems, and those are pretty easy to identify because those are usually the one that threaten to sue me because after two minutes of meeting with me that they're going to sue me because I'm going to charge them this fee or this fine. We try to educate. We offer them every opportunity to participate in this diversion process. But if all else fails, those three truancy officers will cite parents that same day right on that location into the city courts or the justice courts, excuse me. We've seen some really positive results and we've really kind of developed some good working relationships. I think one of my next steps I want to see with Mesa is to really see if we can identify two schools and try to implement some of those lights that I was talking to. Because Mesa does not participate with cuts. That's our truancy suppression program. They direct cite. We take them. I would like to see, because the majority of the citations that I deal with on those Mondays, I think could probably would be rectified if we spent a little bit of time with those families prior to a formal truancy citation being issued. So that's truancy. Um, again, I can't really stress enough where we've seen our most positive results in terms of uh, approved attendance as well as a, a feeling of, hey, listen, my education matters, is to have some role model at their school, some adult who's willing to take a little bit of care. And some schools are better than others with that. Um, curfew is another one that we see a lot of. Curfew is uh, also a struggle, but I would probably say curfew for a majority of the cases, again, is more of a symptom of a bigger problem. Um, with our curfews, again, we have the luxury of spending a little bit of time talking with the family, seeing what's going on uh, before they ever see our hearing officers in citation court or at the diversion level. 
And we will, uh, essays are, are, are very positive and one of the things I would like to see them do is possibly with an essay, what's the importance of being in school? Remember they're there for a curfew. But I want to kind of see what's the importance of being in school. I will say, listen, you need to meet with your counselor. You need to sit down with them, interview them, and kind of see why they think an education is important. Again, remember the offense is curfew. But again, I'm tying them back into the school. I'm tying them with that adult role model. If they're interviewing that adult person, they're starting to recognize that person more as a counselor or a person that they trust. Um, the ACCI packets, I don't know if you guys have dealt those before. Um, I really like those, and we've seen some really positive responses coming back from parents. Now, it's not necessarily the subject matter because these packets, you know, take on life skills, substance abuse, but the mere act that they have to sit down with a parent at the dining room table and spend some time, usually it's about eight to 10 hours over the course of 30 to 60 days, that may be something that they've never done before. And so again, it's just the mere fact that they're sitting down with their child and having a communication that's what the key is. That's what I'm trying to achieve. And so at the very back of those packets, when you see, hey, listen, as a parent, what do you think that you most benefited from this? And it was the time that they spent with their kid establishing a relationship. Um, a lot of these families do not eat together anymore. A lot of these families uh, don't spend the time. And again, we all recognize those as important issues. Um, alcohol is one that we see quite a bit. Alcohol, minor consumptions, possessions. Um, that, that's, that one tends to be a little bit of a struggle because again, you know, there needs to be, in my opinion, I'd like to see a little bit more of assessments in terms of what I consider the more serious ones convert, um, compared to ones that are probably not that. Meaning that, hey listen, I was at the party and I was in a, have a beer. However, I've seen kids with alcohol that are here for, um, they're also doing heroin. And so the offense, once again, is just for alcohol, but the kid has a much more serious um, substance abuse issue. We don't have the ability to put these kids into RTC programs based alone just by going through citation court or diversion. That's not an option available to us. But what we do do is to try to have the family reach out to their health insurance or through access, ask them to have an interview and see what services are available to them. In rare occasions, because again, we're with the juvenile court, we've had the opportunity to sometime what I call backdoor and get these kids a little bit more treatment. Um, on these low-level offenses, but again, those are few and far between. I don't think that you all have the option for the RTCs. But again, having a family, if you order the family to reach out, see if there's some kind of interview that you can have with access, um, just a phone call. They, a lot of families, they try, they reach, everybody gets frustrated because you're not talking to a human being. You make a phone call to access and now you're talking to one of those robotic kind of systems. They give up too easily. Um, it's a very bureaucratic system. I'm a probation officer. It's extremely difficult to get a kid into an RTC program, and I know how to navigate the system. So you can only understand for a parent who is, may not have a high level of education or a patience to get through this process, they really struggle with that. But again, that's something that they need to pursue. Um, again, I think we have the benefit of uh, a time. So, you know, a little bit more research that we can do with a particular case. So those are our three highest areas um, that we deal with. We have our Title 28, our criminal. Uh, Peggy deals with those quite a bit. We use the ACCI traffic safety program quite a bit. Um, we've seen some positive results with that. 
as well as if they choose to, they have the option at our diversion level to participate in those um, online uh, defensive driving courses and so forth. Um, I've given a list uh, to Charles. I think he's put that out there. Um, we've got some websites that are available. For the east side of town, um, I would definitely recommend our AATP, that's our Arizona Addiction Treatment Program. It's in the uh, document itself. They have a Saturday program uh, developed for substance abuse. Um, we, we have sent numerous kids to that particular program. Um, it's ran by Dave Gallagher, um, who's with AATP. He's a man, um, a counselor that I've uh, known for several years, and uh, he does some great work with the kids. He doesn't BS. Um, he is uh, very straightforward, and he works well with both the juvenile and the family. It's a Saturday course. There is a cost. Mesa PD is once again involved with it. Um, we also um, have them write an essay. I think it's a good uh, way for the parent and the juvenile to sit down afterwards, and they write it to the judge. Uh, what I learned from this experience, um, tell me a, a little bit about some of the dangers about alcohol. What did you learn from this? And hopefully they take something out of it. It's a minimal cost and it has some good return. Any questions, anything else? We talked a little bit about, um, uh, one of the judges talked about sending it to juvenile court, um, especially like a truancy. I believe, Judge, you were saying you can do that. We do see that. Um, and um, okay. one of the things to be aware of is, uh, remember, at the juvenile court, we are under the same jurisdiction, 8323, just as you are. And so let's say it's a truancy, but you're sending it to juvenile court. That will not go to formal court. Um, what I will do is I would usually assign it to one of my probation officers and we'll start from square one again um, and try to offer some services. But just to kind of make a point out there, they're not going to see somebody with a black robe for truancy. On a side note, uh, Peggy, um, under her jurisdiction, even though she could, we do not send truancy onto her. Truancy is only dealt with that diversion through the probation department. We took that out of formal court uh, several years ago because what we were seeing is uh, um, status offenders being detained uh, because they were placed on probation, taken off on a warrant, whatever the case may be. <laughs> Ultimately, it goes back to the underlying offense, which is truancy, and when they were detained, even now for the act of testing positive for the use of drugs, um, it's still a violation of the federal guidelines regarding status offenders. Any, any questions, anything else? <coughs> One thing I would reach out, uh, say is um, for you guys, is to, if, if possible, is to, to reach out if you know especially with the truancies reaching out to um the schools and say you know what are what are you guys doing are you interested in possibly participation in the uh, cuts program they can call me and we can provide training and um again we've seen some really positive results it's entirely up to you but thank you for your time i appreciate it Give me your phone uh if, if you need my information i think charles has it and uh you can send it out if you need it. Okay, thank you. Uh, we have just a couple minutes left. Any other questions? We do have uh, Kim and Maria in the back. If there are any other questions about forms, make sure your parking is validated. Uh, thank you all for being here. There is a round table on Wednesday morning for our first term judges and their court managers. Uh, and in December, on December 9th, um, we're going to have a security training before our bench meeting slash holiday party. In January, we're going to do the Miranda program. So we hope to see you there. Thank you.
Thank you for coming. Thank you. I say yes, and my luggage will, will not join us in Paris, but it's going to be in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. and yet, she was, I just want to say thank you. A couple years ago, I remember when I got, my son was in there, and you took the time with him. You gave me a couple of tools that helped me be able to help straighten around. We saw that at your correction. And, and your luggage showed up in Paris? Yeah, my luggage showed up on the same flight as me. And your NyQuil defense for your broken kid? I had a kid at a trial adjudication. I said, offered the NyQuil defense. I said, oh, did you take the NyQuil the day before? It was really strong. Yeah. I totally might have forgotten it. Permission. I wish I could take a picture of it. I remember clearly. Because I'm a 16-year-old girl, about 5'9", 5'10", 120 pounds. So she's not a heavy lady. No. But she's actually, my parents bought her for her 16th birthday. It's pretty awful. She has breast implants. She's wearing a skin-tight, red, bright red t-shirt, and written across it says, want these. Their parents come in, they're both in business attire. Both in business suits. Where did you really have a brain? Yeah, I can't. 